This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Just about 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. Great to have you this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about your money your investments, the economy, all these important things to help you become a smarter investor. And as always, if you want to join the show, you can do that. Uh, give us a call here at the studio, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And we're here to discuss that with you. And with me at Almost as always is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. Good to be here as always. Yeah, you know, it's just, I always look forward to, to doing this. Like last night, I uh, uh, had a, had a great uh, dinner last night downtown and so forth. And I was thinking, yeah, I can't wait to tomorrow morning go on the radio show and talk about what's going on, talk with people, you know, uh, discuss the financial side, talk investments. We just love doing this. So we got some things to talk about before we take the calls here. Uh, first off, um, we got to talk about this one and. And uh, I think it's a very ugly, ugly shoe, but I'm talking about Crocs. And if you're thinking of investing in the shoemaker Crocs, you don't have a pair of those, do you? I don't. I, I know our financial planner, Harrison, who will join us later, does have some Crocs. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. He says they're great house shoes. <laughs> well, I guess as long as he wears them in the house, I guess. So. Huh? I started wearing them out, though, too. So Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's got a big foot. They, they're going to be big and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're camo. They look cool. All right. All right. We'll give him that then. So, But I'd recommend you wait before investing in this company that produces these ugly shoes. Again, that's my opinion. I'm sorry if I'm giving you my fashion opinion, but I won't be caught dead in those shoes. I don't care who's wearing those shoes. I'm not going to wear them. Uh, yes, I know the stock has tripled since last September and is popular with certain pop stars and rappers. But there are some warning signs that the stock, well, don't get too excited just because you like the shoe and just because the stock's up 300%. There could be some problems. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I will say I think they're interesting, like, water shoes. But I, I don't know. I think you could maybe get some water shoes that are cheaper. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't bought Crocs before. You, you know what they remind me of? The Dutch wooden shoes. Well, I think a lot of health professionals like them, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be wrong on that. But I, I think that they're, I don't know. I feel like I've heard that before. Might have dreamt it. I don't know. It just popped in my head there. Maybe we have a podiatrist that's listened to the show. They can call and say, yeah, yeah they're good or bad for your foot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyways, talking again about the finance, not a uh, fashion talk show here. So let's look at the numbers and why we're actually a little concerned about this stock. I mean, number one, the valuations are extremely expensive on it. But there's also some other cautionary signs. I mean, first off, the company issued $350 million of 10-year notes yielding 4.125%. Might not sound that bad, but now that's actually considered high yield, which I don't like to see. I mean, at a 4% interest rate, if they could have done better, I would have liked to see that. 
Now, most of this money will be used for stock buybacks. If there's any money left over, it'll be used for general corporate purposes. Now, I'm not an advocate of companies borrowing money to buy back their stock. And on top of that, paying such a high price for it. I mean, maybe it makes some sense if your stock trades at 10 times earnings. Maybe you want to take on some debt and buy it back if you have a clean balance sheet. Yeah, maybe that makes some sense. But gosh, if you're trading at these sky high valuations like Crocs is, why in the world would you think your stock is an attractive value here? I mean, you could buy it back and actually benefit your shareholders at a later time. Not right now. I mean, it's just way, way too pricey. And it appears that management at Crocs also agrees with us as top management sold 238,578 shares or net proceeds of $21.4 million. Now, just so you don't understand, management said, let's borrow money to buy back shares. In the meantime, we're going to be selling a lot of our shares to profit off this high price. Ugly shoes, management selling shares, and an expensive stock. I mean, in my opinion, just not a good combination for a long-term investment. And and again, I mean, many time management does this is that they will buy back stock. In my opinion, the worst times they're they're looking at oh the stock is high, you know, everybody's excited about it. Let's buy it. They're, they're following the momentum, and and then when things go down, well, you really dis a disservice to your shareholders because you paid a high price for the stock, and especially as you said, they borrowed the money. How crazy is that? Well, here here's my my take on this. I, I don't think they do it to ride the wave on the momentum. Generally, what's going to happen is during your good times, well, right. the stock's doing well. Well, now you have excess cash flow. Well, shareholders don't want you to sit on the cash, but also you can't just waste the money throwing it on different projects. That's a warning sign for me. If they have no money that they can actually expand the business and continue to grow, because that's why companies trade at higher valuations is supposedly because there's more room for estimated growth. Well, if they have no expected projects to really grow at those rates, and the only option is to buy back your shares at you know, 20, 30 times earnings, I think that's a telltale sign that growth may be slowing in the years ahead. I, I think you're right. I, I think a better use of that capital was be patient. Maybe there's a company out there that you can invest in or buy to enhance your current product. Like maybe buy a sock making company that makes ugly socks. You know, so you have ugly shoes, ugly socks. You make make something like that, as opposed to stepping in and paying such a high price for your stock. I don't think we we pay management for that. Uh, now again, we do like it if they're doing it for you know they, they do have a lot of cash. We know have companies that have billions and billions of dollars on the ca- on the, the balance sheet. Well, for them at this certain time, it can make sense to buy back stock because there's nothing else to buy. Uh, it's a return of capital shareholders. So it can make some sense. But in this case, I just don't agree with it. I, I mean, I, I, I was listening to two of our conference calls this past week. And and this is where it might get a little confusing for our listeners. We love when management buys back right. our stock. And you might be saying, well, isn't that kind of hypocritical? And the, the reason it's not is because when we're buying companies, they're trading at 10 to 12 times earnings. We don't buy the growth companies. We're expecting them to grow their sales and earnings mm-hmm. at you know a, a 20% clip. We're buying companies that we're hoping, hey, maybe they can grow sales at maybe 5 7%. They buy back stock. Now that could enhance their earnings growth to now maybe a 7 to 9% growth rate. That's where we like to step in and buy things. I mean, we had a company that they had to pause everything last year because they, they just had to preserve that capital. Well, now they announced they're buying back about 4.3% of their stock within the next year. I, I mean, that's phenomenal. I, I'm stoked on that. Have another company over the last 10 years. And it's quietly done very, very well. 
in terms of share performance. I'm not going to give away this company, but it's not one you would think. It's not, you know, the Amazons and Netflixes, but it's done very well. I believe they bought back close to half of their stock over the last yeah. 10 years. Wow. That has enhanced our shareholder returns and they also increased their dividends substantially over that time frame. Those are the types of businesses and that's when it makes sense to buy back stock. Not when you're trading at sky high valuations. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they didn't borrow to do it either. Right, right. They, they use cash and excess cash and so forth. I'm glad you brought that up to clarify it because it is important that, again, when you are trading at a good value, it can make sense to enhance shareholder value. But if you're just going out buying money, your stock's trading at 26, 27 times earnings. Okay, you buy back stock, maybe it dropped down to 24 times earnings. Still expensive, still could drop. And now you, you your company is the one that overpaid for the stock. That's what we don't like. And, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got to apologize here. I feel like I'm talking so quick. Most of the time I don't drink coffee during the show, but, you know, I had our first football game back last night. So oh, yeah. I was exhausted when I woke up and I was like, I need to have a cup of coffee. Well, you, I'm, you like, I'm all wired me, now. You kind of gave me a preview. So how did Poway High do last night? <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately we went undefeated last year. We played a very good opponent in Granite Hills. We we lost 14 to 10. Uh, it was a great game. The, the, guy, the kids battled hard. I will say it was awesome to have kids back in the stands. Oh, that so the full stands, kids yeah. out there screaming and yelling, cheering yeah. and so forth. And and I think you, you, you held most of the time, but I think you lost, you said, the last two minutes. Yeah, the last yeah. two minutes they scored. But, you know, the kids fought hard, and, um, you know, that's all you can ask for as a coach. Right, so. right. And, again, you, you're not the defensive coordinator of the varsity. You're the linebacker coach for the varsity. Mm -hmm. You are the defensive coordinator for the JV, and the JV, you said, is. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got them a pizza party coming on Monday. Oh, very cool. Yeah, from, from OGs in Carmel Mountain. <laughs> that, that's where it's coming from. Yeah, we went 1-7-2 to two with four interceptions. Very, very exciting game there. Wow. Wow. We like OGs, don't we? We go to OGs. Oh, yeah. go back there. We've not been there actually in a couple of weeks. I'm actually there. going there today. Oh, okay. Well, we're going for a cruise down the on the harbor. So yeah. maybe you can go maybe, tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, I got a big surprise here, and I, I don't know if people have seen this or not, but Amazon, after destroying many big box retailers, is announcing they will be opening their own department stores, estimated to be somewhere around thirty thousand square feet. Now, this is not as big as your your big box retailers, but it's still it's a, a footprint they're going to make. On a, on a thing that they kind of destroyed over the last, we'll say, what, four or five years? Now, maybe they destroyed the competition. Now they come in and open their yeah. own stores. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, and trying to give you the numbers on, on what a typical big box store looks like, uh, Amazon's are going to be about a third of the size as normal big department stores are normally about 100,000 square feet. Again, Amazon's at 30,000 square feet. Now, no date was announced on Amazon department stores. They will first be seen in Ohio and California. And as we said years ago, there's no way that people will do 100% of their shopping online. It'll be interesting to see how Amazon attracts people to their new stores. You can't just have the same old model. I'm sure they're kind of trying to revolutionize it. Right, right. And, and I have heard that they're going to be stores, and I, I remember reading this a long time ago, that uh, their stores will be where there's no cash register. You just walk out and somehow you get charged. I mean, I think we've seen that technology. Yeah. Uh, obviously, going to have their, their own products in there, like their, what do they call that? The Echo and the Echo. Uh, um, I, I got know, have a, the fire theater. stick fire stick. Yeah, yeah. I have that in my theater room and that's pretty yeah. cool. So they, they've got some great products, but what else? I mean, you can't have just all that in 30,000. Alexa. That was the other one. Alexa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so, a, I was thinking echo. That's an Alexa product. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so they've got a, some things there, but, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how this works. What are they going to do? And this is what we said years ago that retail stores, big box stores are not going away. But you've got to do something to attract people to go in there. 
what is Amazon uh, Amazon going to do to make it enticing with people like, yes, I want to go to the Amazon store? Yeah, I I don't know. And and the other question I have too is, what are they going to sell? Yeah. If, you go online, they have everything. Yeah. What are they going to put in their department stores? I mean, you go to like, um, you know, I'm just going to pull out a, co- a company like Kohl's. Is they have different uh, relationships with like, you know, Levi's right. and uh, gosh. I, New one was Sephora. Sephora. You, you know, just kind of brand names. Is Amazon going to pick a few brand names to put into their stores? Are I, they? Yeah, I don't think they can do that because at 30,000 square feet is pretty small. Yeah. So, so I think they have maybe maybe what they'll do is a products that sell best online. Yeah. Uh, they will, you know, put those in the stores. So I, I'm, I'm very curious um, how they're going to do that. And 30,000 square feet, it's a good size, yeah. but it's not huge. You can't put a lot of different things in there. So it's, it's going to be very interesting how they do that and what their marketing is going to be, what, what people think of it and so forth. And, and also, too, I was wondering, uh, just thinking about this also, too, are they going to be in malls? Are they going to be standalone, like in a man, like a mini mall, so to speak? I'm a, I didn't see when I read the the information. I did not read or see where they expect to be. Did you see any of that? Uh, I just know it said the two states of Ohio and California. Yeah. That I didn't see anything on um, whether it was going to be standalone or, or what right. that's going to. I would assume, based off of Amazon's very strong technology and and kind of analytics tools i don't think they'd be in the malls i, I just i'm gonna yeah. say i'm venturing to say no maybe maybe a mall like utc or right. something like that that's kind of like an outdoor maybe like some type of strip mall or something but i i don't see them going into the big i don't know, like a i don't see them going to like a westfield up in North County there. Well, and one thing I thought was very funny is you see uh, Teslas in the mall. I, I've heard that. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> I do see that they're kind of, I've heard that they're pulling out of the malls, mm-hmm. but I mean, they did very well in the malls. So I, I don't know. I mean, we do talk about mall traffic being down, but where would they go? And and I think they could be like the, the anchor store. Yeah. I mean, we, we expect them to do well. I mean, everybody knows Amazon. Uh, and again, we've said it's a great company. I, I just wish the stock was a better buy at these, yeah. you know, but a great company. So we'll see what happens. And, and I I still worry. And we've been saying this for a few years now. Is Amazon can't be great at everything. No. And I, I mean, uh, I, I use GE as an example. Was you, you start to kind of reach for that growth. And you start to get into things that you're not great at. Maybe just Okay. Well, now you start to to take away from your kind of superior talent there, and you start to lose grasp of the business. Like we saw at GE, and look how much divestitures they're having to do to get the right. business right tracked. Because at some point, Amazon's such a growth company, they have to continue to grow and grow and grow. It's kind of the opposite of what you said with Crocs. Is you know, he said maybe buy an ugly sock company. Well, maybe they don't know how to do ugly socks. Yeah. I worry that Amazon is now starting to get into different areas. And I will say two stores. It's not going to make any material difference to the company right. whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. But I, I just worry that it, it could take away from, from what's made them so strong. And, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, I mean, how long did it take for people to hate Jeff Emmel yeah. at GE? People thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread years ago. Oh, yeah. And now, oh, Jeff Emmelt was a terrible CEO. He's an idiot. He didn't know what he's doing. And, and so it forth. took like <laughs> 10, 15 years for him to say the divestitures needed to happen. Could that be the story where Amazon puts their hand in too many different pots? 
right. and 15 years from now, people are like, what was Amazon thinking? thinking. Yeah. And, and, and I do remember that with GE. And it, and it took probably about 10 years for the, uh, and, and I'll use the thing that first then come out and say the king's wearing no clothes. Because all this stuff was just going on, they, everything they're buying, everything they're doing and so forth. And then all of a sudden, like, it just started falling apart. And, and everybody blamed Jeff Immelt for it. Like, oh, it doesn't know how to manage and so forth. I think it actually started back when Jack Welch was managing it. Yeah. But again, it just like kept going and up and up and oh, how great and so forth. And I, I see that with Amazon right now. And I'm not going to say, oh, you know, sell the stock because they're going to be broke tomorrow. But I do see that this is a cycle that business go through. And people, oh, I've done great for two years. Two years ain't nothing. I almost said a yeah. cuss word there. <laughs> so, but it's nothing compared to the history of investing. And again, if you're 25, 30 years old, you're going to be investing for probably 50 years. Yeah. So two years does not make a big difference. You've got to look at the long term of what a business is doing. And I think with an Amazon, again, we think we said it's a great company, too pricey. Uh, it will be interesting that I think someday you're right. Someday you're going to say, yeah, gosh, what was Amazon thinking? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets hard when you, you keep growing and you know, it, it's, you get too much pressure I'd say on you because it's like, well, we trade at 50 times earnings. Well, we need to maintain growth rates of, you know, 25, 30% on the top line. And if we don't, our, our multiple is yeah. going to contract. So how do we keep that growth going? And you get so focused on the growth. I think a lot of times companies lose track of their quality control yeah. And then they kind of break down. And let's not forget that uh, I almost said Jeffrey Amelt, uh, the, the CEO that uh, um, who was the CEO of Amazon? Oh no, I, yeah, Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, he's no longer the CEO. I mean, he's moved on. Yeah, yeah. So we'll to see space. if that changes. To, he's moved on to space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I can throw my two cents in sure, there. Sure, sure. Uh, I've been to the Amazon bookstore here next to UTC. Oh yeah. Nothing special, honestly. It's been it's it seems like another Barnes and Noble, so n nothing too special. And then I've been to the Amazon Fresh store up in LA, right? Where all you have to do is just grab something and it'll automatically scan and say oh, you really? purchased it. And if you put it back, it'll automatically tell you, oh, you didn't buy it then. In that case, so that's the only cool feature. Otherwise, every product in there is you know normal, nothing special. So I have a feeling it's going to be the same way with their department stores here. It's could be no nothing special. Could so. be a drag. Uh, were, were there many people in that Amazon bookstore? Yeah, actually, I think it's just for name purposes. Really? Like they hear, oh, Amazon. Oh, I got to go there now, honestly. Right. But again, when I was in there, I was unimpressed, really. Sorry. Right. So, yeah. And one thing that, that uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, CEO of uh, uh, JP Morgan, he talks about having the branches that they're also good advertisement. You see the yep. name all the time. Maybe for Amazon, the same thing. You see the name Amazon. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you know. We, we do a lot of branding now with our firm and stuff, and it does it does help because people remember that name, and yep. they may not buy some right then, but it's in the back of their mind. Oh, Amazon. Oh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Oh, we'll see asset management. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Speaking of kind of retail, uh, the headline retail sales number uh, did look extremely disappointing, but if you dig a little deeper, the news isn't as bad. Retail sales in July did fall 1.1% compared to June, but compared to last July, they were 15.8% higher. Now, the areas that were most challenged during the pandemic also did continue to increase as clothing and accessory stores climbed 2.8% compared to last year and 38.4% year over year. So there's some good news in here that you got to dig deep to find it, but there was some good news there. Yeah, and, and, and the other one, that of course has just been decimated is uh food services and drinking places. And I, I was glad to see this. I mean, sales did climb 3% compared to last month 
And again, 38.4% compared to last year. Now, I I do want to point out, uh, of course, that the areas that really bogged down the report were industries that are battling higher commodity prices and that are facing supply constraints. This included auto dealers, as they saw a monthly decline of 4.3%, and furniture sales, which fell 6.07% compared to June. And I mean, we've been talking about furniture sales for, gosh, probably a year now, right? about how long it takes. And I think some people are like, I'm done. You know, it's going to take me 12 months to get that furniture. I don't want it. I, I think that's what people may be doing with the furniture, and that's what could be problematic. Or companies may have raised their prices too much on furniture because they had to offset the commodity cost behind it. And there's no secret on the chip shortages. Right. I mean, and the used car price drastic increases that we saw. So not surprised to see those auto detailers kind of have, or not auto detailers, <laughs> auto dealers, dealers have some issues. But, you know, with all the money that is still in the economy, I believe demand for products and services will remain strong. But if we cannot fix these supply issues that we continue to talk about, the economy could face major inflation concerns. I mean, that is the exact definition of inflation. Too much money chasing too few goods. We have a lot of money in the economy. If we can't produce the goods because maybe people don't want to come back to work, maybe the, the different commodities are too expensive, so different suppliers are holding off. They're going to raise prices because there's not that many goods out there and people are still going to want them and some people are still going to pay for them because they have the money. Right. That's exactly what inflation is. Right. And it's uh, last night, the dinner, actually it was a dinner with a congressman, Burgess Owens, a congressman from Utah. And we were talking about inflation. We were talking about the furniture thing and what's going on here with retail. And what I said we need to do is increase more legal immigration because we're running out of workers. And he said there is a way to do that. You kind of tweak the visas so more legal people can come in. Because, And I, we were talking, I said, if we don't do this, our economy is going to falter down the road because eventually y- y- you, you have people where they can't get the products and then they just lose interest. They don't build them. They don't have a job. So, um, yeah, so very positive dinner last night uh, with the congressman on, on things. And they know this is a problem. They are trying to fix it. But our economy will falter. And if you can't get the, again, I, I don't know if it's still the case. I remember it took me, what, eight months before to get yeah. my dining room table. I think that's still the case. Maybe not quite as bad. Car, well, look at cars. You can't you can't buy a new car. The car the, 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 the lots are empty many times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. it, it's, it's a big issue. We, we need that supply. That should be the easier equation to fix. I mean, you can't fix all the money in the economy. I mean, right. that, that's kind of what was used to stimulate the economy. But- if you overstimulate and don't have the, the products available to buy, we need people to get back to work to build those products so they can be sold. And one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to import everything because that yeah. doesn't that, that will falter our economy so eventually we'll run out. So we want to produce it here uh, so that we can make money off it and and have our economy grow and continue to grow. So it's not a short-term you know, shot in the pan where we did great for a year and all of a sudden it went down. We've got to turn things around. We've got to get people back to work. They're producing, uh, making things, uh, being part of the economy, back to work, and so forth. And uh, yeah, so so, and they know it. Yeah. You know, obviously he's a congressman. He was talking about yeah, they they do talk about these things, which was good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and this is why I continue to say I I don't think the Fed's necessarily wrong on it being transitory inflation, but I think they may be missing the mark slightly on what the non-transitory inflation is going to be. I, I don't think right. you're going to have continued inflation of like 6 7%. I don't, I don't foresee that. But right. the 
the non-transitory inflation is going to remain, I think, above their 2% target. I, I don't see how it doesn't. I mean, you, you listen to the, uh, the conference calls, and again, we, we don't have hundreds of companies. We have about, I think, 17, 18 different conference calls that I, I've listened to. The amount of times I've heard, we're increasing prices. Oh, costs are up. We're going to have to increase prices. Mm-hmm. It was several times yeah. in many, many different conferences. Not many, many. Most of the conference calls that we own. <laughs> I don't want to say many, many, because, again, it's about 15 to 18 different businesses that we hold. But the amount of times that those CEOs, and those are just on the ones that I listen to that we hold in the portfolio that said, yeah, we're going to have to increase our, our prices because we have to offset the cost inflation that we're seeing. Well, I know that's going on with other conference calls I right. didn't listen to. That is what inflation is. It's coming from the businesses. They're they're the ones increasing the prices. We know that that's going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's just something that uh, it 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 will be fixed if we work on it. And again, that's one thing that I'll say too with with the congressman. He's very optimistic, and he says yes, things are you know, and things always look bad now. He goes, but yep. yeah, he goes, we we've got things that I can see. He goes, I'm very optimistic. He goes, you just got to be patient. You know, uh, we'll get these things fixed and so forth. Great, great guy, by the way. I mean, gosh, he played football. Back, uh, I think it was in the seventies or eighties. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I think yeah. I saw it was for like the Oakland Raiders, and don't like that, but it's okay. Yeah, I got I got to wear a Super Bowl ring. So. That's cool. And I go, did anybody ever try to walk off with? He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, let's let's talk about that. Let's open the phone lines. Gosh, I, I just looked up. We've been talking for a little bit here. We can talk the full two hours about different stuff, but we like to talk to people out there, get your questions answered. We, you've got a company that you're looking at buying, selling, or holding. That's what we're here for to try to help you out, talk about making you a smarter investor. Phone lines are all open. Give us a call, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And Chase, I cannot believe it. Where did August go? August 26th is this Thursday. That's going to be our workshop. I can't believe it's here already. Unbelievable. I know. So, well, we're going to be holding it to our workshop this Thursday, August 26th, uh, in Scripps Ranch. We're going to show you how we invest our clients' money, how we invest our own money. We actually show you how we invest and what I've done for many, many years. Uh, I have been in the finance world for over 40 years. We will be discussing the question I hear a lot lately. Do you think there's going to be a correction? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how important is compounding for investors. We'll also give you our thoughts on the current inflationary environment. And we'll also go over in detail all the numbers you hear on the radio show. What we talk about will help educate you on investing using fundamental analysis, which really reduces the emotions a lot. But what you got to do, you got to sign up for it. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Brianna. I know she is out on Monday, so if you leave a message for her, you probably will not hear it back till Tuesday. But again, she can get you signed up. Again, 858-546-4306. And look forward to seeing a Thursday in Scripps Ranch at 6 o'clock. Uh, the Smart Investing Workshop. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it tonight. I did want to bring up uh, one other useful tool for our listeners. Uh, you know, a lot of times people like how we break down the different companies and uh, on our show here. Uh, talked a little bit about Amazon. I, I, yesterday, we did our Smart Investing Weekly mm-hmm. Stock Analysis on uh, YouTube. So, if uh, you know, you use YouTube. If you don't use YouTube, it's very easy. You just go to YouTube, type in uh, Smart Investing 
with Brent and Chase will see you can find different stocks that we actually analyze. And we actually have a little bit more time than we normally do with our callers as well. And yesterday we looked at Alibaba. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, I said I love that name. It's fun to say. Alibaba. Don't love the stock, but Alibaba. <laughs> and, uh, you know, go there. It, it, we kind of break things down. Uh, talked a little bit more. We know China's kind of stepping into regulate a little bit more. Uh, some great useful information there. Again, break down the fundamentals for you on Alibaba. We have some past um, stocks that we've also analyzed. I think that was now our seventh edition of the Smart yeah. Investing Weekly Stock Analysis. We do that on a weekly basis. I'm going to post it on Friday or Saturday morning. So again, go to YouTube, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. You'll see different stocks there. Some of them are buys, some of them are sells, but uh, just again, how we kind of do things here, just some more information for you guys to utilize there. And they just go to, because I'm a, a, I'm not very good at technology. So yep. they just go to YouTube and just type in Smart Investing Brent and Chase Wilsey and it pops up. Yep. Our, our, our channel will pop up there. And then just to make it easy, you can subscribe to it. So then after you subscribe, you'll be notified about our videos. Do we get paid anything for that? No. Oh, shit. Just free information. Well, we always do the free information. But I love doing it. I've been doing this for so long. So, uh, But it is great. I mean, we and it's probably, what, 10 minutes long? Is that all? Uh, it depends. <clears throat> I'm kind of looking here. Some of them, sometimes we like to talk, obviously. like The one we did yesterday <laughs> was 15 minutes. So the week before that was 11 minutes. Our shortest one was about five minutes. Uh, I bet you that was our first one. You think? Um, it Actually, yeah. our first one is four minutes. Our second one is five minutes. Then we started to bump up into 10 to 20 minutes. <laughs> but I know the one I did by myself was on, on Ford several weeks ago. Uh, you were out of the office, so I just did it by myself. So there's no conversation. Was I? I'm never out of the office. Where was I at that day? I, I think you had like a meeting or something that oh, day. Okay. So Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. And, and again, you get more conversation, making you a smarter investor uh, about investing. All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. I think we have a question on Facebook. Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, and I'm glad we brought this up because he says, "Happy birthday, Brent!" Oh. So for our listeners, we're not going to give away the age there, but uh, it's a big one for you. So. Yeah. You know, I gave it away last night, and okay. it's just like you know, and I am kind of proud of it. I, I, I now I'm 65 years old. I reached that milestone. I still feel like I'm in my 50s. Uh, it's just a number. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And then the last night, the dinner, they go, well, well this is what I wanted to do. You yeah. know, I, I, I like having dinner with, with, you know, smart people, I guess I'll say, yeah. and then today doing the cruise. So, but yeah, 65, the big, uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, well, thank you for that, Robert. I do appreciate that. Uh, what about the company that he wants to talk about? Yeah. So he, he wants to take a look at OGN. Organon is the name of it. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Asked about it a bit ago, but it was too early for them. I'm wondering if they uh, IPO'd recently or something. It says, I went ahead and, and took a small position in them. This last week, Berkshire announced they took a position in them as well. So now I'm thinking of taking a larger position. Thanks, guys. Uh, just something real quick on that is I do know when Berkshire announces, typically it's in their filings. So that right. means they purchased it perhaps weeks ago could be even months ago, right. depending on when it was during the quarter. I don't think that's released in the 13F for Berkshire. Yeah, I know you give the market cap and it's going forward. But I, this surprises me that Berkshire would even do this. I know well, that Warren Buffett is not running the ship anymore. It's these other two younger guys. Well, younger guys. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in their 50s. 50s, 50s yeah. yeah. <laughs> Compared to Warren being 90 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm just surprised because this is, and this kind of shows, again, that what Warren Buffett did, 
does work, the value investing works, but this is not what he would normally do. Because unless uh, Thompson Reuters just doesn't have it here, because I, I, I find very little information. I do see that 68% is owned by institutions. You got dividend yield of 3.4%, current ratio 1.3%. Uh, gross profit margin, 63.45. That's all I got. Everything else is blank on the comparison numbers. Are there anything there on the earnings going forward? And I'm curious what the market cap is of this company. Are you, are you having a hard time here? It says Reuters doesn't cover this company. Yeah, I, I and I got uh, Organa, Organa and company. Yeah, so. it's Organon. Let me, let me pull up Yahoo real quick, too, because yeah. yeah, Reuters doesn't have any. So, you know, sometimes we do get some different information on Yahoo Finance. But I, I, it's just, you know, before I always used to be excited when Buffett's <coughs> kind of filings came out. Right. Because it's like, oh, great. Yeah. And and sometimes we'd, we'd have a good kind of match there and we'd get a little bump because Buffett held it or announced he was increasing the stake in it. Right. Um, but it. it Lately, I just, I don't even really care when they release them because it's, it's not what it used to be. Yeah, it's not the value investing it used to be. And actually, I heard that they dropped some shares of General Motors, which I was kind of surprised on that. So they I, it, not a great time <clears throat> to drop shares. I feel no, like no, no. So I, I don't know what what uh, what, what these. And, they, and again, you're gonna have different style. Um, Warren Buffett created this uh, his style years ago and actually I remember he did it by buying a coke machine and said well gee if this coke machine generates money I'll buy another coke machine and so forth and that was how he kind of started value investing went to Columbia University and so forth uh and he was the, the father of value investing where now these other two gentlemen who he's kind of picked um they just have different different ideas and so but it's not the same thing are you getting anything at all there yeah some very very <clears throat> strange numbers so it looks like this company IPO'd back in June so it was very, very recent. A decent sized company, about eight point four billion dollars. Now I say decent size for for Buffett's yeah. Berkshire Hathaway. Right. And they could occupy. Want to make sure they're not getting more than like 15 percent of it, because then they can really move the market. If they decide, yeah, we don't really like this Organon anymore. We're out. The stock will fall tremendously because they own so much of it. And, and this is surprising to me again. That's eight point four billion. We'll just say that they buy. 10% of it. What is that? 800 million. I, I think for the size of their portfolio, uh, that's what they get a day in interest. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised that they would even mess with a company this small. It just doesn't make sense to me. Something, something, something I'm missing here. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and, and kind of looking at it a little further, the, the current price for Argonon and company, $33 and 22 cents, uh, 52 week low here is $27 and 25 cents and 52 week lows, $38 and 75 cents. I, I did pull up what the company does. They're, they're in healthcare, drug manufacturers. Uh, it says general here. So mm -hmm. they are U.S. based. Um, they're a science-based pharmaceutical company develops and delivers health solutions through a portfolio of prescription therapies within women's health, biosimilars, and established brands. So, you know, drug manufacturing essentially is what they do. Um, very important. I, I, I think it's an interesting industry, but the numbers here, I, I just... It's strange, very strange. Right? I, I mean, you got a yield of 3.37%, so it's nice they That's pay good. a dividend, but their P-E ratio is 4.84. Hmm. If I go out to 2022, they have an average estimate for earnings per share, and this is just five analysts, keep in mind, it's $5.74. It would give us a target sell price of 95.28. So the value's there, 
But for something to trade at four to five times earnings, that's almost in a worrisome level. I, I like to buy around 10 to 12 because I believe you can have multiple expansion. I, I wonder if, and this is where it gets hard. There's no past data, really audited data by the SEC before 2021 because it's such a new business. But my point here is, is this company extremely cyclical in terms of their earnings? Could they go from 574 this year to all of a sudden they drop down to $2 a share next year? There's a reason it trades at right. under five times earnings. And, and that was one thing I was going to bring up because a lot of times they'll find a company like that where they had like the, the prior two year earnings were really low. And then 2021, 22, like, wow, they jumped right up. And then they went way down. Uh, it's a value trap. You know, yeah, you're paying five times earnings now, but this could be their best year or their, was it for 2021 earnings or 2022 that you saw? That was 2022. 2022. Yeah. So that could be their best year ever. After that, it just kind of tapers off. So you get sucked in buying this company <clears throat> at this high price based on like, wow, I'm paying five times earnings. But then the PE actually goes up because the earnings fall down the road. So uh, I, I, I got to say, Robert, here, it, it would not be one I'd want to invest in because we're lacking information on it. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I I wouldn't say no on it because there's a potential value there. Right. But it, it definitely would require a lot more research. And, and, and personally, people always ask, um, oh, you don't buy company? No, I, I mean, <laughs> there's so many different options out yeah. there. I, I think I could find another business that could do just as well as this Organon business, and I feel more comfortable with it because there's more data. Right. And normally I tell people it's, I like to have about at least one year yeah. of financials there. It's very rare for something to look great in terms of its first year. And, and if it does, you know, you got to spend a lot more time looking at it because there, there's just a lot of questions here. Yep. So, all right. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, not saying no, but just saying that, uh, yeah, if you can find more data. And unfortunately, Thompson Reuters is not giving us enough there. And, and that's who we rely on a lot. Well, our phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Don. Don, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. First time caller, uh, but a regular listener on Saturday mornings, usually when I'm on my way to playing golf, but um, love your show. Well, thank you. appreciate that. Hey, um, I made a little bit of money on Tesla and Roku last summer, um, and I kind of downsized a little bit, and I'm looking for a company to grow with. I decided to look into a company by the name of uh, Jabil. J-A-B-I-L. The letters are J-B-L. All righty. Uh, and, and actually, and I believe it's pronounced J-Bill, as I think the way it's pronounced. Uh, and we uh, held this company years ago, made quite a bit of money off it, so I'm very excited to look to see where it stands now. And, and I'm sorry, Don, you said you hold it? You're looking at buying it? I actually purchased about two weeks ago, um, okay. just deciding to see what it would do. And it's increased uh, about 1% um, since, but Okay. All right. Well, well, let's see if we can confirm the purchase here for you on J-Bill. Symbol again is J-B-L. We do say good start here. P-E ratio is 15.6, about half the industry at 34.1. Price to sales, wow, 0.3 versus 6.4. That That is almost too good because it's so low, but it is a good number. Uh, price to book value, 7.1 versus 21. And price to cash flow looking good here. It's 6.1 versus 20. So the valuation ratio is looking very good for J-Bell Circuits. We do see that they pay a dividend of 0.5% using 8% of their earnings to pay that out. 
Now, their sales year-over-year year are up 9.9%. That's about half the industry at 178 Something going on with their earnings here. Maybe they had very poor earnings year-over-year year, one year ago because their earnings now show an increase of 1,541% versus 15% for the industry. Uh, current ratio 1.1 versus 2.4. That's a little bit light. What I don't like seeing here is that they didn't have this before, but now their debt to equity is 137 versus 16. That's really in our top range where I really start getting uncomfortable with the debt. And then I want to look at, are they paying down the debt? Is it increasing? Because I don't like that level of debt to equity. Could be other things going on as well. Maybe stock buybacks. But again, I want to understand more about that debt before I invest into it. Return on equity looks very good, 31 versus 21. Net profit margin checks in at two. Now, that's not very good because the industry is at 18.5. And then we do see receivable turnover 7.3 versus 9. And inventory turnover 7.4. That is better than the industry at 4.9. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward here? Yeah, so current price here for J-Bill Circuits was $59.58. Uh, 52-week high, $61.23. And that low, $30.42. Now, if I go out to August 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.98. I mean, that would give us a very, very nice target sell price of $99.27. So, I mean, this company's done a phenomenal job growing earnings. Um, it, it's a, a great price for those earnings as well. Now, the one thing that always concerned us with J-Bill and, and still does concern us with J-Bill is they are very concentrated and very reliant on Apple. Mm -hmm. Now, it's good because Apple's a, a big customer. They can pay their bills. We know that. Right. They occupy about 20% of J-Bill's sales. Amazon now is also a large contract for J-Bill. Those two occupy about 30% of total sales. Have we? Have you looked at that lately? Because I, I, I just looked at it. Oh, okay. You did look at it. Cool. You didn't see it. Wow, you're on the ball today yeah. this morning. My <laughs> coffee's coffee. helping out. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I bring that up as a, a, a big concern is we've seen a, a many, many times kind of in the headlines is Apple and Amazon kind of starting to go at things alone. And I'll, I'll bring up uh, Intel's chips, Intel. for example. Yeah. Well, Apple said, oh, we're going to start using our own chips. We're not going to use Intel anymore. It didn't really hurt Intel because it was such a small portion of Intel sales and Intel has so many different other revenue streams. If all of a sudden Apple said, ah, you know, J-Bill, I, I think we're actually going to do this our own. Mm -hmm. That's Maybe more of a money-saving process. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and that's one thing with Apple and Amazon, as I was kind of talked about earlier in the show, is they're always looking for ways to grow their, their bottom line as well. If they say, you know, we have a lot of excess cash, we're going to invest in doing these different circuit boards and so forth. Well, okay, now that is a huge, huge problem for the business because, wow, that's 20%. So, you know, I think it could be a great, great winner here. It could do phenomenally well if the relationship with Apple and Amazon continue to go well. But you do have that huge underlying risk. If all of a sudden you get any inkling of it, I mean, this stock would... I think struggle tremendously. Oh yeah, I mean, if they were to lose either one of those, Apple or, or Amazon, you could see the stock drop. I'm going to say twenty, maybe twenty five percent, very quickly. Uh, and again, it's not surprising that Amazon or Apple could do that. And again, you brought up Intel, great thing because yeah, it didn't help Intel, but didn't hurt them because it's only again a very small part. What you have to understand, Don, and I don't know how you could sleep at night holding this company because you could see in the, the, the news on Monday, yeah, Apple going to make these, uh, whatever it is, these circuits that uh, <laughs> J-Bell's making and J-Bell just lost a contract. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh -oh. Oh. yeah. So, so these are things as an investor you really want to dig deep so you understand it. And again, that may not happen. The stock could go to ninety, as we said, but you got to realize the risk you're taking, and that's a risk is at the concentrated risk of the their. So that'd be about what forty percent of their. No, it's thirty percent. Thirty percent total. Okay, yeah. comes from Amazon and Apple. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's still well, that's good to know their their underlying businesses that you have to pay attention to. That's good information. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what we always do. So I hope that it helps out, Don. Does it does indeed. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, and, and you said you go on the golf course? Oh no, I usually do. Today yeah. is Saturday in San Diego and it's raining and it, it's a little different. So I'm not out today, but we'll be tomorrow. And that and that's why you're calm because it's raining, so you're not playing golf, so you called <laughs> in. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> well, thanks for calling, Don. You know, gotta fit it in. Fit it in. <laughs> there you go. Have a great day. Thank you for calling. Bye bye. All right. All right. That opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You know, Chase, one problem that people have is when do I retire? What is that retirement date that I pick? Well, how do you come up with an answer? Well, let's talk to Harrison Johnson, our financial planner, about how he picks that. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I hear you're giving me a hard time for having Crocs. <laughs> Do you have them on right now? I do not have them on right now. Okay. But, uh, the ones that I have are camouflage, so they're not quite as noticeable. They kind of, they kind of are camouflage. You can't see. Yeah, I'm sorry. They still stand out. And by the way, there's a rule at our at Wilsey Asset Management: no Crocs allowed past the front door. Okay, just to let you know. Yeah. No <laughs> Unless you're a client, come on in. Yeah, yeah, clients can come in. <laughs> Doesn't fit our dress code. But uh, I, I like this topic because it is confusing for people. You know, when do I pick the retirement date? So I want to hear your guidance for people on this. So I get a lot of people that ask, can I retire? Should I retire? Should I keep working? Um, so the first thing I want to say is more income is always better. All right. The way the tax brackets work, some people are like, well, I don't want to make too much because then I'll go into a higher tax bracket. I'll pay more taxes. If that's true, but you still net out more. So more income is always better. However, the point I want to make here is that it's all relative. Um, sometimes while you're working, you're paying a lot more taxes. And the longer you work, you kind of extend that tax liability. Here's what I mean. Um, I'm going to paint a picture for you guys. Assume we've got a couple, husband and wife. They each make $65,000 a year. Um, so at that income rate, assuming we're in California, there are five different income taxes that they pay. There's the federal side. In this case, they'd be in the 22% bracket. On the state side, they'd be in the 9.3% bracket. Social Security is 6.2%. Medicare is 1.45%. And disability is 1.2%. So if we add that all up, we get a marginal tax rate of over 40%, 40.15%. So what that means is in a given year, by continuing to work, every additional dollar that they earn, over 40% of that dollar is going to taxes. And so when people are thinking about, well, should I retire? We'll just know that while you're continuing to work, you're paying all of these taxes. As soon as you retire, a lot of times those taxes that you're paying go down substantially. So in this scenario, um, as soon as these people do retire, assuming they're late 50s, early 60s, <clears throat> if they retire, maybe they've got some social security income, maybe they've got some IRA distributions, maybe some capital gains. Well, right off the bat, 
since they don't have earned income anymore in retirement, they don't have to pay into Social Security, Medicare, disability. So that's automatically a tax reduction there. And then on the federal and state side, very easily on the federal side, they will probably go down into the second bracket taxed at 12%. And on the state side, it could be as low as the 2% bracket, meaning total marginal rate of now 14% down from over 40. So, and that's assuming the same amount of take-home pay. Since your assets and income can be structured in, in different ways, you can really keep your taxable income a lot lower, even though you still have a similar amount of take-home pay. And so that's something that I illustrate to people is, yeah, you can continue to working, but assuming you have the means to retire, sometimes it's okay to retire because, you know, you're not really giving yourself as much of a benefit by continuing to working um, as you as you really think you are. Yeah, and I, I think it is important, obviously, to look at the numbers and the income in retirement, kind of as you said. And it's interesting, I had a, a phone call with a, a, a lady yesterday. She's 30 years old now. And like, I want to retire early. I said, well, you could be in retirement for 50 years. Right. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe, maybe 75, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, uh, it's so important to understand as well where your money's coming from. If you're just going to leave it in the bank, you can't retire because you're not going to keep up with inflation. But, uh, yeah, so right on the different tax consequences and everything there, Harrison. And, and, and this is very important, too, because when you just said that, Chase, too, you could be in retirement for 50 years. Now, that could be much longer because, Harrison, one thing that could happen 50 years from now, who knows what medical technology yeah. could be. You could then be living to 150, 200 because <laughs> of the advancements over 50 years of our society and stuff. So, I mean, you've got a plan. That's one thing I know that we try to do is plan for almost retirement forever because of the fact that you don't know how long you'll be retired, uh, especially if you pick the date early. Yeah, That's that's exactly right. Whenever I put plans together, um, I never have a, a point saying, okay, well, you know, you, your assets are going to last for 30 years or something like that. It's always in a, per, a continuous plan because you're right. You don't know how long you're going to live. Um, people are living longer now, so I assume that will continue. Um, the idea is to have enough assets and income to sustain your lifestyle as long as you live. So whether that's 20 years or, or 100 years or however long it is, we're living off of the, the growth uh, of your investment. So over time, you should continue to um, have your net worth increase to, to keep up with inflation, to continue providing that income for you. Um, and, and so you're, you're absolutely right. And Harrison, uh, you talked about painting a picture for people. Well, I know when I go into your office, you've got that great whiteboard. And I think then you you actually paint the picture for people in numbers, obviously, uh, on what you're talking about. So that that's these are things that you do for people to do true financial planning. So I really appreciate what you do, and uh, thanks for the information. I want to retire. All righty. Yeah. Well, that's, that can go for you too, Brent, anytime you want. You're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I got another 20 years ago, I think. <laughs> Hey, uh, have a great Saturday and uh, go relax in those Crocs. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a nice Saturday. You, you too. Bye bye. All right, again, as uh, Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. Again, you can sit down with him for a free consultation on financial planning. Maybe you have a financial plan already. Maybe you don't. You're thinking about doing one. Give him a call. Talk to him. Set up a free appointment on what he does. You've heard here on the radio show. And maybe you don't know when to retire. Yeah. Hey, that's what he's there that's for. That's what he said. Yes. That's what he's there for. So uh, give him a call at the office, 858 546 4306. That's 858 546 4306. Or you can also go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can contact him through email. 
talk to him on the phone first. But again, we do give a free consultation on financial planning, help you out as well. And, and I will say as well, he, he will be at our workshop this yeah. Thursday. Um, you know, he has a, a kind of brief overview of what financial planning is. And a lot of times people like to go ask him questions at the, the mm-hmm. end of the presentation there as well. So uh, Harrison will be there to kind of help address any financial planning questions you have. Uh, our workshop, again, is coming up this Thursday already. Can't believe it. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say. Thanks for bringing that up because, again, I do want to promote the workshop again. I mean, it, you know, and the workshop is a great place to learn about the fundamentals of investing and the strategies we use to find good value companies. Uh, how to invest during a volatile market. We seem to be, we're starting to get some volatility here. Well, what do you do? How do you do it? We're going to talk about that and also investing to build wealth and get to retirement. These are things we cover and how to do it. We talk about the the fundamentals. We talk about the target sell prices, what you should be doing, what you should be doing. And the great thing is it's all free. Just go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And it's going to be this Thursday evening, the 26th at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. So sign up. I know we've got... I know we got seats left over, but I know we've got quite a few calls. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you in there, but yeah. uh, don't delay. Uh, do it now. Smartinvesting2000.com. All right. Well, I looked over and there's no phone calls. What happened? Oh, we, what, you, you got something there we want to talk about? Let's see. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I, I just, we were so excited this past week. Or was it this past week that the news came out from Financial Advisor Magazine? Uh, it was this past week. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of run with this here. I'm going to kind of steal it yeah, from it, but no. you brought it up, but I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about it. But <laughs> uh, uh, so proud that Will Asset Management has been ranked number 487 nationwide in Financial Advisors Magazine for the 2021 annual RIA ranking, which is based on assets and management for the year 2020. Now, we know that bigger isn't always better, but it's because of the great clients that we have and what we've done for them. And and you've heard the radio show and stuff that we really care about our clients. And we, I, I guess I can say this, we really do the best for clients. And I'm, I'm trying to be careful. I say here with the SEC rules, yeah. which you got to read our disclosure there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we really work on fundamentals. I, I guess what I'm going to try, I'm going to say it, is that we, to make our clients money. That's yeah. what we do. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah. And, and we try and, and I, I really do think we, we do put our clients first, really first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we want to make sure that oh, we do a great job managing their money, that they're comfortable with everything. And I think we educate our clients very, very strongly. Um, but yeah, and, and I guess I'll kind of read the disclosure. Just, yeah, just to be I'm going to read the disclosure. Yeah. You read the disclosure. We do what I put it in. Then you want to read the disclosure? I'll, I'll take the boring part. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to be considered for this award, the, we had to be, or the firm must be an independent RIA, uh, files their own form ADV statement with the SEC and provide financial planning and related services to individual clients. There are no fees or other considerations required for RIAs that are included in the FA Financial Advisor 2021 RIA ranking. And at this time, you know, we, we didn't have to spend any marketing dollars for the award. We didn't spend any marketing dollars on advertising right. this award as well. So, um, you know, very, very honored. I mean, top 500 is a, a pretty, pretty cool thing. I mean, you look across the, the country, there's thousands. Yeah. Because we always talk about in our presentation. I, I don't know if we use this in the workshop too, but I think we talk about there's nationwide 691,000, and that's probably higher now, but 691,000 brokerage firms and advisory firms across the country. Now, again, that's not all the advisory firms, that's yeah. brokerage firms as well, but there's quite a few. And, and again, we, you know, I've, I've been doing this now for what, 40 years, worked hard to get here. Uh, got a great staff, you, you've helped out a lot. Uh, you know, Ladia, Brianna, great job that, that, that they've done. Um, it's just really been very helpful. And actually we are looking for another person, another admin assistant, because we do wanna provide that great customer service 
that we provide. And we have grown quite a bit. And uh, But we had a client come in yesterday. You had to go to the football game. But she goes, gosh, I've been a client for like, I think she's been like three years now. And she goes, I just not cannot believe how great you guys are because of the fact that, you know, you call me. Um, yeah. I call you and I get to talk to somebody. I get a call back. And she goes, on my other firm, I didn't hear from them for like five years. And she goes, I hear from you guys all the time. And you really, you've done a great job of doing what you're doing. I mean, and, and that's what I like hearing. Yes, I mean, we, we do get paid for doing it, but it just makes you feel good doing the right thing for people. Yeah, so. no, I, absolutely. And it, it's it, it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I think we've been successful for a reason. Right. And you say it's been a lot of fun, like, uh, and now we're over. No, we no. got a long time to go. I got a long time to go. I got, again, 20 years. You got probably, shoot, probably 50 years to go. I don't know. It depends on medical technology, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta do but, something. There. I can't be retired for 100 years. Jeez, I'd be so bored. <laughs> well, I, know, I, I know. Yeah, yeah you can be doing this for 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, phone numbers, gosh, what a slow morning. I, I get, you know what it is? It's raining outside. I guess people just laying in bed, probably just listening. What you got to do is kind of roll over and dial the phone, dial 866 577 2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and this is when you want to actually look at what to do because I do believe we got some volatility coming up. Is going to be correction or not? I don't know. I'm not going to say you. We're not going to try to predict it, but this is when you want to know what you're doing. You want to be prepared. You want to set up your 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 soldiers, so to speak, to be prepared for perhaps something coming up. Yeah, I mean, I can tell our listeners here is we we have a few different companies that we've had our eyes on now for. I'd say one of them in particular, probably several months. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's been quite some time. Other ones, about a month. And then more recently, we had another one a few weeks. But yeah. you're always looking for things and, and you want to be ready just in case that, that price comes. You want to make sure you feel comfortable with those companies because when things do pull back and you do have available cash, you want to be able to strike at that good time. And I think there's a big mistake people people make is they they wait for the correction and then they they're like okay i'm just going to buy this right and they don't do their research and maybe that company doesn't recover from the correction right so that's why you want to kind of be prepared for looking at the businesses and understanding the businesses before that correction happens and again don't go to cash completely because <laughs> you think there's a correction coming well, i'll tell you we have a, a decent amount invest i'd say on average probably uh, we're probably about seventy-five to eighty percent invested. 80%, probably, yeah. So yeah. I, I, that's probably an average, I would say, for our clients. Some a little bit more, some a little bit less. But you know, don't go all in or all out yeah. just because you think a correction might be coming. And, and now is the time that you should be looking on on what to be investing. Because you're right. I mean, people are like, oh, you, you know, they're going to go to cash. You're going to sell out uh, because they think it's going to happen. Again, Peter Lynch, a great investor for many, many years for Fidelity, ran the Magellan Fund. Uh, said that people lost more money preparing for the, the corrections and the corrections themselves. So don't do that. But again, if you see something overpriced, well, you sell and you get out. And then you're looking. And we've been looking for quite a while. So we're prepared when things come down that we can actually get something else. So I'm, I'm getting the signal that uh, the, the end of the first hour is here. So uh, you are listening to Smart Investor with Brent and Chase. I do see uh, Jeff in looks like Massachusetts, I think it is, or Tom in yeah, Escondido. I think, I think yeah. Jeff in Massachusetts. I think yeah. he's called in several times. Okay, before. good. Uh, well, they're coming up next. Uh, you want to call in 866-577-2473. You are listening to Smart Investor with Brent and Chase. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
All righty. Welcome back to the second half of the Smart Investing Show. Yes, we have phone lines open, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, my phone's blowing up with happy birthday wishes now, so thank everybody for the <laughs> birthday wishes. I appreciate that. Uh, we got a lot of things going on for the second hour here. Uh, we, we do have the workshop coming up uh, August 26th. That's this Thursday already. Talking about fundamental analysis, show you how to be a smarter investor, how we manage our own money. I did want to bring this up, Chase. We didn't really talk about it ahead of time, but I, th I think we should bring it up uh, about T-Mobile. And I mean, it came out, I think, on Wednesday. But just to make sure that people know that uh, T-Mobile said this past week on Wednesday, uh, they got hacked of 40 million uh, customers, potential customers that filed information with them. So, and <laughs> I, I got to kind of laugh this a little bit. It's not a funny situation, but we thought, gosh, just the stock's going to be down. And you said the stock was up that day. Like, whoa, whoa, how that Stock happen? was up. Yeah. We had a company beat earnings, beat sales, raise guidance, record operating margins, re record operating income. Stock was down. T-Mobile, 40 million hack, stock's up. And, yeah. I, and you know, I, we should have done a post on it, but I, I, you brought this up in the office the other day, and I, I just think that, you know, people are just trading stocks. They whatever's working, I'm just going to buy it. And I think you said Gen Z, like 55%, this is off the top of my head, admitted to, to trading stocks while drunk. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I like to have a cocktail from time to time and, and you know, have a good time. Never once have I ever thought about trading a stock <laughs> during that time well, frame. Because what they're saying is that they're, they're drunk and it's like a video game for them. They're just playing a game. And, and what they're doing is this is going to be a short-term thing. It is going to have crazy things happen with the market. Uh, in different companies. And you have to understand the fundamentals and get through that because if you try to follow it or you try to react onto it, you're doing nothing more than gambling. You might as well drunk yourself <laughs> and do it, you know? So, but it is, and I think it was, I think you're right, I think it was like 57%. Uh, and I think it was Gen Z was, was the ones that admitted to like trading when they were drunk. <laughs> and it's funny, I was talking to Harrison. He said, are they even old enough to drink? Because <laughs> Gen Z is the, the generation after the millennials. Well, how do you? I said they're at home. So I, I, it's college kids. Yeah, college kids, and they're, they're not going out to the bar to get drunk. They're at home drinking. Like, hey, let's trade some stocks. <laughs> let's see what happens here. You know, so some great analysis there. You know, so all but, right. Well, go the ahead. point is, there's there's just a lot of craziness going on in the market right now, and and that's that's when things get a little frightening. Is you know we've seen it, and time and time again. I mean, the the tech boom. It's like this just doesn't make sense. What's going on just doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, but I've done so well on this, and you don't get it. And uh, Okay. When things don't make sense, it's bound to occur that things will make sense. Yeah. It, it always happens that things come back to reality, and things can be crazy for, gosh, years. And I, and I yeah. bring this up many, many times before, but it's so important. Alan Greenspan, who was the Fed chair, probably mm -hmm. knows the most about the economy at that time. He gets all the data, talks yeah. to the smartest economists, all that Good stuff. 1996, he gave an irrational exuberance speech about the stock market, just saying it, it didn't make any sense. It was overpriced. When did the tech bust occur? 2000. Yeah. Things yeah. were crazy for years. So you don't know when the craziness is going to end. And, you know, some people enjoy it while, you, while it lasts, but realize that, and this is the hard part about investing, is it, it's really kind of a moving number. Oh, I'm, I'm a millionaire now. This is fantastic. <laughs> In a matter of months, you go from a millionaire to having $100,000. What I mean by that is some people lost 70, 80, 90% oh, yeah. of their portfolios during the tech bust 
because they were buying these inflated businesses. So so be very careful. You can have a good time and, and be, you know, living life, but have that realization. If you're doing crazy, silly, I'm going to say stupid things, yeah, you could lose it all in a matter of months. Yeah. And it moves quick. And it does move very quick. And uh, I just looked over. I, everybody woke up because everybody's called all in. Phone lines. So, yeah, I was so, just talking. No, no, no. We, we got, I think all phone lines are booked here. And they, actually, Tom and Escondido hung up. So Tom, uh, maybe he had to, to run to the store or something. But uh, give us a call back. We'll answer it for you. I think next up was uh, Jeff in Massachusetts. Uh, Jeff, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Well, actually, it's morning for you guys. Afternoon over here. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to put my bottle of whiskey down because I don't want to call you drunk. So, um, <laughs> it's too early to be drinking. Oh, I guess it's afternoon. Yeah, for it's you. Afternoon. Well, no, I'm over here. It's, it's lunchtime. We're sitting back waiting for the um, the hurricane to come up the coast. And oh, okay. be happening tomorrow. So we got a hurricane parties going on here. Well, don't get blown yeah, away there now. <laughs> I won't. I know. Nothing but a bunch of hot air anyway. So that's all right. I'll go okay, help you. Now, the stock I'm calling about is called Skin. Um, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, highly recommended this stock on his Power Lunch episode on CNBC. Okay. So I, I bought a few shares, and it was, you know, he says it was doing well. It's been kind of, it's been doing all right, but I wanted your opinion on it. And is this, a, you said Skin is a company. That's a symbol. Is the name of the company Beauty Health Company? Yes, it is. Okay, good. I want to make sure I have the right one here for you. Okay, so let's take a look at the beauty health company, symbol skin, S-K-I-N. Unfortunately here, no P-E ratio versus 28 for the industry. Price of sales, not material. Now, again, it could be a new company. These are numbers for the financial statements as of June 30th. Uh, we do see a price to book value of 168. That's well above the industry. Well, actually, the industry not material. Uh, I'm just not seeing much on this company here. Uh, let's see here. I, I don't see any sales growth, no earnings growth. I, may, maybe they just reported, maybe. Uh, I, I do see on the balance sheet, we got a current ratio of 4.4. That's very good. The initial is 0.9. No debt on the balance sheet. That's a positive. Uh, but other than that, I'm not seeing anything. Chase, you have anything going forward on this company? Uh, kind of just doing a, a quick synopsis here of different, different data points. Because um, it, 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 I, I like the, the, the beauty space. I, I've right. always found it very lucrative, very profitable. I don't see it going anywhere because, you know, as social media kind of is so prevalent and then now people are starting to go back out and, oh, look at me, I'm doing this, having such a great time. You know, you want to make sure you're looking beautiful out there at the same time. So I, I like that, but yeah, there's, I'm just missing a lot of different info here. Uh, it, it is a, a company and it, it's got decent size. I mean, it's about a $3 billion market cap. It's not like a couple hundred million or anything like that. I do see that they, they it looks like they IPO'd in November of last year. So it, it is newer, but I mean, it's done very well since the IPO. Uh, it, it, it looks like it IPO'd around 10. I do see the 52 week low was $9.71. The current price is $21.57. So uh, more than doubled there. From the bottom, and the 52-week high is twenty-three dollars and forty cents. Now, I I am surprised. I I, I don't see any analysis here uh, for the the current year or the next year. And most of the time, a three billion dollar company right. would have analysts that are following it. So uh, it's very very strange that there's just no data on it. And and the other I, thing that surprises me is you watch Shark Tank, right? Kevin O'Leary always hammers the fact. You're making no money. He's always been talking <laughs> yeah, about profit, profit, profit. Right. 
the EPS over the last 12 months is is a negative 10 right. for the company. And maybe they're they're switching on the profit, but I just get worried when there's no analysts following it. Yeah, and the other thing, too, with this, uh, Jeff, is that, you know, sometimes these guys on TV that have to do this, they, they've got to come up with something almost every week, sometimes daily. And so, you know, and Chase and I said, if we ever had to do that, we couldn't do it. I mean, you know, we'll find maybe one, maybe two, maybe a month that's worth looking at. Um, but perhaps he kind of like, well, this kind of looks pretty good uh, for growth investors. I, I think it's maybe a growth company. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he always talks about dividends. He likes dividends. He likes earnings. I mean, this company doesn't fit that at all from what I can see. And I, I guess what would be important is that what kind of beauty do they do uh, and what worries me is, uh, I think Chase, you said they came public uh, last year, last November, uh, yeah, last December, uh, November, now, no November. Uh, now that's not even a year. Uh, now they're at the high from ten to twenty-one. Could this be another company that just was a flash in the pan, came up, went up, and unfortunately, Jeff, I don't know what you paid for it. Perhaps you bought it high after all the money was made. That was kind of concerning to me. Yeah. So I, well, I, he's Mr. Wonderful, so I thought he was going to be wonderful. You know, I don't want him to crush me like the cockroach that I am, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know he's so called what, Mr. Wonderful. Is, uh, you know he's called Mr. Yeah, wonderful called because something. he's really not that wonderful. He's a, he's a, uh, I've never been a person. Guy, yeah, exactly, yeah. So but just, yeah, just yeah, be yeah. careful there. I, I can't justify it. I wish we could say, yeah, it's a great move, but... Uh, it, it just scares me. No analysts, yeah. I, and that's the thing too. Maybe next year they're estimated to make money because I, I see the top headline here: the beauty right. health companies shift from loss to profit. So maybe they're now making money. But I, I just I, I like the uh, analysts because it gives you more concrete kind of evidence of what's going to occur, and it, it gives you different thought processes of you know where could this company be heading. I mean, if you don't have analysts, you got a lot of research to do to kind of have your own forecasts and come up with different potential profits that they could be making. And uh, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the thing, too, is I'd rather buy this company at 25 with the potential of going to 30 or 35 than actually buy the current price and guess on what could happen with it. Because it's just a guess. I'd rather have some good information to tell me what to buy that. Already? Hey, I had one more question for sure. you. This is a, a, a investment question, per se. Yeah, they say that, um, for instance, you should not be emotional when you invest, but it seems like all investing is done with emotion. Like, like for instance, say um, they don't, they want they feel like the Fed should raise the rate, and they find out, you know, you know, uh, the, the market, you know, says they need to raise the rate, right? they have to raise, and then they find out, well, they're going to raise the rate. The market tanks. They, yeah. you know, they start going berserk. I don't understand. If everyone is expecting this and they feel that we need this for the economy, why, when it happens, you know, everyone starts selling? I, I don't understand that. Uh, that's a great question. The thing is that everyone doesn't start selling. We, we've talked many times about the buying that's being traded. Keep in mind, you're not seeing all the shares. All you see is what's being sold. And we've talked about the average volume on a normal market day is about 0.03%. On a uh, high volatility day, it goes about 0.6%. So still, more than 99% is not moving. And keep in mind that a lot of that volatility comes from the high-frequency traders that go in and out multiple times per day. So you're not seeing everybody doing it. You're only seeing, and I always tell people, just imagine if only one share traded that day, you'd say, oh my gosh, I one share. Oh, oh my gosh, the stock is down 20%. But that was only one share. The other billion shares didn't do anything at all. So you, you gotta understand what is going on when you're seeing the movement of the volume that 
it, it, it's just those shares being sold. Doesn't you know? Wouldn't it be kind of great if they actually did show? Here's what didn't move today. Uh, here's the shares that did move. I think it would change the emotions a lot on the market for people. But well, yeah. they have that out there. It's called the volume and the shares outstanding, but it doesn't make you the headline. Dig for news. It, right? it doesn't make the headline news. You got to <laughs> dig for it. Yeah. So that's what we do. <laughs> and, 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 and just kind of a point to that too, Jeff, is, uh, you know, Warren Buffett has a great, or no, excuse me, I think it was Benjamin Graham said this. Graham or Buffett. Yeah. Both great value investors. I'll say if I can tell. Um, they said in the short term, the stock market is a voting machine. Yeah. It's just boom, 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 boom. You know, it's just going all over the place. Kind of, you're correct in the short term, it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine, which mm -hmm. means it is going to weigh towards reality. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier in the show about the, or not even earlier in the show, about 10 minutes ago, yeah. about the irrational exuberant speech from Alan Greenspan. Is it took him years to be right, but he was right. And in the short term, it's like, gosh, what is happening? It it gets very frustrating. I mean, we talked the other day in the office, right. it's like, it just makes no sense short term. But longer term, it will make sense and it'll be just fine, but... Gosh, it weighs on your emotion in the short term, and it is an emotional game. And that, that was term. and that was Benjamin Graham uh, back, I, I believe, yeah. in the early 1900s uh, is when he came up with that, because he, he was investing through the uh, Great Depression. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was Benjamin Graham came up with that. So, so Jeff, just be Very careful good. there. Just re I think you bought a few shares, so you kind of gambled. Uh, yeah, maybe I just, I just uh, yeah, yeah, just to see what was, if Mr. Wonderful was that wonderful, apparently he's not. <laughs> well, hey, hopefully, hopefully it provides a nice yeah. touch-up to your portfolio there. Yes. There you go. Jack, I, I felt sorry. I felt, felt sorry for you guys. That's why I called in. But now everyone because the line's full. I know it. That's I know. Good. Well, that's what people do. They nobody calls because anybody's calling. Nobody's calling. Everybody calls at once. So, um, Jeff, thank you for calling. Appreciate it, and uh, have a great okay, day guys. out there. Okay. Bye -bye. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah, you thanks. Too. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Robert. Robert, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Good morning. How you uh, doing? I'd like to. I'd like some analysis on Home Depot, please. Okay. Do you hold that or look at buying it? Uh, I've held Home Depot for over 25 years and um, basically just bought and hold. Haven't sold a single share of it since okay. I accumulated it. Now, Robert, if we tell you like, oh my gosh, you got to sell this after 25 years, would you sell it? Uh, maybe a portion of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at Home Depot Incorporated, symbol as HD. And I know they did, I think reported earnings, was it a week ago? I believe so. And I think they weren't as good. I believe the stock was down 6 or 8%. I don't and, know if it's recovered or not. And it, it was interesting as well. Um, I know Lowe's reported, and they kind of got hit after Home Depot, and Lowe's reported very strong numbers. Strong they earnings. were up substantially. So I, I don't know if Home Depot's losing some market share there to Lowe's. Yeah. That could could be so. Let's look at the numbers on uh, Home Depot again. Uh, PE ratio, not a bad start. Twenty three point two versus twenty two point eight. We do see price of sales two point four versus two point one. Surprisingly, price of tangible book value is not material, and that's the same as the industry. And I think over the years, Home Depot has acquired a lot of different companies, so I'm assuming they have a lot of goodwill on their balance sheet. We do see that the price of cash flow is nineteen point five versus sixteen. They pay a decent dividend, it's about 2%, and use 32% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, they still are looking pretty good on their sales year over year. They're up 21%, but it is not as good as the industry, up 27%. We do see earnings per share up 30.2%. Good growth there, but the industry was up 408 
Uh, Looking at the balance sheet, got a current ratio of 1.1, same as the industry. But this is very strange. I don't know if they're carrying debt now for receivables or whatever, but their total debt to equity is 1,748, and the whole industry is 1,454. So, uh, uh, Robert, I would want to know, like, what's going on with their balance sheet? Because that's kind of a strange number to have that much debt. There's something going on there, and I'd want to know what it was. Another strange number here, return to equity is 1,841 versus 390. I'm almost wondering if Reuters got these numbers mixed up because they seem very strange. I'll kind of look at the balance sheet when you look at the numbers going forward, Chase. Uh, we do see uh, a net profit margin, 10.6. Very good. Industry is 9.2. Receivable turnover is 49.1. Uh, Industry is at 49.7. So that's good. And inventory turnover is 5.9 versus 4.9. Chase, while the earnings going forward. Just a couple of things on the balance sheet and kind of why the numbers might look a little wonky there is uh, to begin, I know they bought back, I think, a lot of stock, yeah. which normally is going to reduce their equity. And if they don't pay down debt, it kind of skews the debt to equity ratio slightly. The other thing that I do wonder is I think it, it's somewhat of a recent, by somewhat, I mean, in the last five, 10 years, is it renting out those trucks. And renting out different products. I know. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. Maybe, I rented uh, a carpet cleaner from Home Depot. Okay. Well, okay. I know, like a, a company like uh, Rent a Center. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that they have to account for that, it really skews the balance sheet. And again, it's more of an accounting dive of of how they're accounting for the the rentals that they do provide to, to customers. Right. But just kind of speculating on, on why the numbers might be a little little strange for for Home Depot. But I do want to give, a, again, kind of the current price here, 329.24, 52-week high is 345.69, and the 52-week low, well, that's 246.59. If I go out to January 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $15.14. Unfortunately, it would give us a target sell price of $251.32. So, so it is pricing. The strange thing with lows is I remember their forward PE multiple is actually much, much more attractive. Right. And it seems like they're, they may be growing at a nicer rate as well which is a little concerning to me. And I, I know Home Depot, they've done very well. They were, I'm going to say pandemic winner because not yeah. many places were open. What do you do for entertainment? Hey, I'm going to go to Home Depot. Can't go anywhere else. Right. So uh, that is a concern is is that excitement, is the home remodels, is that going to continue? And I do believe home remodels will actually continue to be strong because they have so much money in the economy. And people bought homes last year, I think on a whim. Many times those needed to be upgraded as well. So I think that'll be okay downside is again the commodity cost right are people still going to pay for the flooring that are that is quite pricey now so kind of some puts and takes on some benefits there and it, it does concern me that home depot is trading at such a high valuation and i will comment too that, that, that i do believe that uh, home depot probably this year will do okay with the remodel and stuff yep. and the the upgrades but i don't think it's going to happen next year i think next year uh, COVID is going to be the rearview mirror. I think a lot, we're seeing it now, a lot more people getting out traveling and so forth. And if you're traveling and say, well, let's put off that, you know, uh, back shed or that uh, porch we're going to do. Let's put that off in, in the future. So I, I do think next year could be the difficulty. I'm going to go 2023. Oh, okay. I'm, well, I'm going to go one more year out because I, I think out? I think some people bought houses that they had no business buying and they're, oh, gosh darn it, the flooring in here is <laughs> terrible. I, I, and but I'm will not, they be I, the do-it-yourselfers of some of those people? I don't well, know. they still got to buy it. Yeah, the, the contractors they hire right. would need to buy it. But right. I think that it's not going to be like a huge growth 
I don't. I think you're going to see growth, and I, I just think you're right. going to see a sustainment in it. Let, let me take a quick look at the balance sheet here. One thing I noticed that was kind of surprising: a year ago, they had cash of fourteen million dollars, or that's billion. fourteen billion dollars, fourteen billion. Now down to four point five billion. So perhaps you're right, Chase. They did buy back some stock. Um, I did look at their debt. Their debt has gone up a little bit. It was thirty four point eight billion. Uh, a year ago, it's now $36.1 billion, but their equity has improved, but it's not great. Uh, it's now $2 billion in equity, but a year ago, it was a negative $414 million. So the balance sheet's like, okay. And, and, and Robert, I, I'm i not sure percentage-wise how much this makes up on your portfolio. Again, you've held it for 25 years. You've done well on it. Done, yeah. done very well on it. Um, but, but I think what you're going to see with the Home Depots of the, of the world that, you know, if you look at it five, 10 years from now, and I do believe this next 10 years, this decade is going to be a very difficult decade for investing because a lot of the high flyers like the Home Depots, Amazons, and so forth, is that you may want to look at pairing back somewhat and try to find something else that's on sale. Because Chase, you said that- it, it, 250 is about the target sell, and right now it's around 330, yeah. I believe I said. Yeah, yeah. So so we got to say it's kind of pricey. I know if you came to us, we would say, yes, we, we need to sell it there for you. All right, Robert. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling. You have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase has been doing this Smart Investing Show for 28 years. And it's never easy when you talk to someone like Robert. He's held the stock for 20 what do you say, 25 years, you want to say, yes, it's great, hold on to it. <laughs> I hate being in the, the negative Nelly saying, oh, gosh, you know, it's just not <laughs> very good now. It kind of should be sold. You know, I, 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 I want to kind of agree with people, but I got to do the numbers. And I will say the, the hardest part about it as well is because we got clients come to us and, and they say, oh, I hold XYZ company and I've held it for a long time. I don't want to sell it. And they say, well, it's overpriced. It doesn't mean that it's not going to go higher. Right. I, that's the hardest part about investing. But you have to do the right things, and the right things, try and follow me here, the right things might not always lead to the best result. Yeah. But I'd say on a majority of the time, the right things do lead to the best result. It's just there's going to be times where things go crazy. Maybe they get some contract that just came out of nowhere, and it's like, well, nobody foresaw that. I mean, you got kind of lucky on it. So. That's why we stick to the value investing. We stick to the numbers. It, it, as I said, it doesn't always mean that you're going to have the, the optimal result. I mean, if that was the case, it's like, yeah, gosh, we should have gone out and bought Tesla, put 100% of my portfolio in Tesla, <laughs> leveraged the house, put it all in there back in 2011. Gosh, I'd be a billionaire. But uh, actually, probably not a billionaire. But, you know, I, right. I would have done very, very well on it. And I'd say using a sports analogy. I mean, you, you can, as a football team, you can practice all week, do all the right drills, all the everything's perfect, everything right. Yeah. Doesn't mean on Friday night you're still going to win. Mm-hmm. You still might lose for for that reason. So you can do all the right things, but it doesn't mean that things will follow your your direction. I uh, hits no. home. Hits home. Oh, I'm sorry. After last night's <laughs> I forgot loss. Forgot last night's loss. Yeah. So, um, Brendan's looking at me like there's something special with a special phone call. No, just okay. I thought like sorry. some emergency phone calls. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, but I do want to talk about the workshop because it, it is this Thursday. I don't want people to miss it because again we've been doing these and and right now is the time you want to be there because we're going to talk about learning why we are value investors. And by the way, the, the workshop is this Thursday, six o'clock in Scripps Ranch, no cost for it. And we will we will teach you why we are value investors, the key to successful long-term investing and our investment philosophy, exactly how we invest and manage our money at Wilson's Management. We show you everything we do, but what you got to do, you got to go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Sign up right there. And uh, 
we will see you on Thursday at uh, 6 o'clock. No, and if you want to call the office, call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Brian, I'll get you signed up. But we will see you Thursday, August 26, 6 o'clock. We'll teach you all the things that you need to know about fundamental analysis. All right. Wow, I look over and all the lines are again. I do believe uh, that Dill uh, in San Diego was, was next up. Let's go out to Dill in San Diego. Dill, how are you doing this morning? Uh, doing well, guys. Thank you. Good. How can we help you this morning? Um, yeah, first time caller, uh, several months listener. Okay. Oh, new to the program. I, I appreciate it. I enjoy it a lot. Thank you. Uh, the company, I, company I'm interested in is Comscope. Um, you know, I, I have uh, some some shares, some gains in Comscope. Uh, several years ago, there was a acquisition and a and a significant drop, and then uh, a nice little run up over the last six to nine months, and then another drop. So recently lost about 30% of the uh, the value of the company. Okay. So I'm just wondering what the future of Comscope is. Well, let's take a look at the Comscope Holding Company Incorporated, symbol as C-O-M-M. Unfortunately here, Dell, no P-E ratio versus 18 for the industry. Price of sales, however, looking very good, 0.4 versus 2.8. But looking at the price of tangible book value, not material versus 4.6 for the industry. And if you take away, that means if you take away all the intangible assets, no value to the company. But price of cash flow, well, that does look good, 7.6 versus 9.4. So kind of a mixed bag on, on the valuation ratios. Looking at the sales growth year over year, it was actually down 2.9% when the industry was up 30%. Earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months. They were up 65%, industry up 145%, but still 65% growth, very good. Look at the balance sheet, uh, current ratio 1.7 versus 2.4, that's good. But what I don't like seeing here, debt to equity is 856 versus 78. That's a very strange number. Uh, I'm not sure what Comscope does here. Uh, perhaps they hold some you know, receivables or something or some loans or something going on there. Uh, I'll kind of check the balance sheet here if uh, Chase look at the numbers to see what we can see there. Return on equity is a negative 217 versus 6.2. Net profit margin, a negative 4 versus 8.5. Receivable turnover is 5.2 versus 7.3. Inventory turnover is one thing looking good, 5.3 versus 3.3. So a lot of negatives here. Chase, what are you seeing on the earnings going forward? Well, I did take a quick look at what the company does, and, and they actually provide infrastructure solutions for communications mm. and entertainment networks. And I think this is a very intriguing in industry because they do operate through four segments, which includes broadband networks, home networks, outdoor wireless networks, and venue and campus networks. And, and what really intrigues me here is the broadband. We know we've talked a lot about infrastructure, and mm -hmm. you know the, the question here is when is that actually going to flow through to reaching the U.S. population, we, we do believe at some point we'll, we'll have some type of infrastructure coming through. I, yes. I just can't tell you if it's going to be this year, next year. At some point, we know what's coming. But broadband is now kind of one of the more prevalent infrastructure components that, that wasn't an infrastructure component, you know, decades ago. So I, I do like that the company's involved in that. But I'll give you the current price here, $14.91 for Comscope. Again, that ticker symbol C-O-M-M. 52-week high is $22.18, and the 52-week low is $8.25. Now, we go to December 2022. I'd like to see this. There's 11 analysts for a company that's got about a $3 billion market cap. So, I like that there's that many analysts following it. The average estimate for earnings per share, well, that's $2.23. I mean, it gives us a very 
very lucrative target sale price of $37.02. Now, it comes with a huge caveat. The GAP estimated earnings, and GAP, again, stands for generally accounting... Uh, generally accepted. Generally accepted. Yeah, gosh, I blanked on that one. <laughs> I was going to go through it and blanked on it, but the GAP estimated earnings is a loss of $0.26. Cents. I mean, that, that is a huge, huge discrepancy. What in the world is this company backing out? I mean, last year in 2020... They had non-GAAP numbers of $1.56 for earnings per share, yet a loss on a GAAP basis of $3.20. And then in 2019, even worse, non-GAAP numbers, $2.15. GAAP, loss of $5.02. There's definitely some accounting manipulation right. going on here, and I, I would just have to know what that is. Because sometimes, and I'm going to say sometimes, it can make sense, but most of the time... I, it's kind of hiding something. Yeah, and, and Dell, these are, before we invest in this company, I mean, these are things you want to understand because they could be fine, but you want to understand them. I did look at the balance sheet. I did notice that they have six, uh, is this billion, how large is this company? Is that six billion or is that million? Uh, let me see. We, yeah, oh, so six billion uh, in goodwill on the balance sheet and their debt's a nine billion. Uh, they do have equity of $1.1 billion, but gosh, you've got six billion in, in goodwill. You've got $9.5 billion in debt. I mean, very risky. And now you tell me about the accounting numbers. There's a lot of research here that, that needs to be done, Dale, before you invest in this company, because it could turn out very, very well. Because again, based on what you gave us on the numbers, on the yeah. performance numbers, they look pretty good. But it could also be a nightmare where you lose 20, 30, maybe 50% of this company down the road because things just fell apart. So uh, I'd not recommend investing at this point in time. I recommend a lot more research uh, to really understand more about this business. Okay, Dale? Did we yeah, lose it? Perfect. Oh, okay. No, I'm here. I'm okay. here. Sorry. Couldn't find a mute button, but thank you. Thank you for that feedback. Okay. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, you know, Chase, I've got to do this because of the fact that uh, the gentleman uh, sent me yeah. a thing on Facebook. I said, email me. And then we'll take a look at it. He did email me, and, and thanks to you, you remembered it because I almost forgot it. Uh, but Steve on Facebook and sent us an email, want to know about Valero. So I, I thought we'd take a quick look at Valero here because it's uh, as promised when I try to tell somebody something. I mean, I know I do have, and I want to say, Jim, Martin, and Chris, you know, uh, hold on there. We're, we're going to get to you. But I just told this guy I would do this, so I, I want to do it for him. Again, the company is Valero. Now, they're an, an, an energy company. Uh, this past week, uh, energy really kind of took quite a – quite a hit and and it's just a uh, amazing to me because we know that you know our administration did ask for what's that russia the middle east like hey please pump oh, more okay. oil we're, we're short of oil so yeah, I, I would think it'd be going the other direction perhaps this is going to be a great time to invest in energy companies because they have pulled back so uh let's take a look at the valero energy corporation they're actually refiners who they actually are uh no pe ratio same as the industry Wow, listen to this. Price to sales, 0.3 versus 2.2. Price to book value, 1.4 versus 1.7. And price to cash flow, 18.4 versus 5.6. And a lot of these numbers are just starting to improve. This is as of June uh, 30th as, as the, these numbers. Now, look at this dividend yield at 6.5%. We do see sales year over year are still down 7.6%. The industry was up one5 Earnings per share still down 229%, energy up 84. We see on the balance sheet, got a pretty good balance sheet here that can weather the storm. Current ratio 1.4 versus 1.1, that's good. Debt to equity 83, about the same as the industry at 78. Return to equity is a negative 7.3 versus a negative 6.4. 
Net profit margin, still a negative for Valero. It's 1.3, but not as bad as the industry at 7.6. And again, that's over four quarters. They've still got some bad quarters in there from last year. And then receivable turnover is 12.9 versus 7.6. And inventory turnover, very good, 14.2 versus 9. What do you got for the earnings going forward, Chase? So current price here for Valero for $60.20. 52-week high, well, that's $84.95. As you said, we've seen a nice little pullback in these energy companies. And the 52-week low, $35.44. So I will say, if you're buying these energy companies, uh, don't think that it can't move around on you. I mean, I, I think you're going to see a lot of volatility in these companies. We've seen that occur mm -hmm. over the past year. We've seen it occur in the past as well. Um, but doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just means you're you're gonna see the the fluctuation there. Yep. And I, I say that because I go up to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of four dollars seventy nine cents. Gives us a good target sell price here seventy nine dollars and fifty one cents. So it's more than a thirty percent gain there from the current level. And you get a lovely, lovely dividend. And we know that renewable, or excuse me, fossil fuel, energy, gasoline, it's going nowhere. I, I, it's going to be here for for decades. It, it's not going to just completely disappear. I, I wouldn't worry about that at this time. And I do know Valerian in, in particular does have renewable diesel as a, a large, large segment right. for them to kind of, I'm going to say, appease this administration's green push. Yeah, they, they can kind of shift, shift around it and make their company more green and so forth. And they've done a great job with that. So I think it's intriguing. Uh, you just got to be patient with it. And expect the volatility. Yeah. And, and again, you talk about the energy side. I mean, you have to realize that, you know, yeah, we see more electric cars here in the U.S. I mean, yeah, and I'm going to guess every 100 cars, maybe electric. I, you know, I sometimes look at the freeway. Where's the electric car? And then you see one eventually. But we're just here in the U.S. Here in California. In California. That's right. Even California. Um, worldwide, it's not going to be the same thing. I mean, you've got some countries that will have to continue to use the gas cars because they can't afford that. And they might take our, you know, our used cars. We may sell them to buy an electric car, but that gas car is still on the road. It may not be here. It could be in India. India. There you go. Yeah. And India's got what? 900 million people. Billion oh, people. they're above a billion now. Above a billion. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's still going to be a lot of uses cars. You may not yourself be using it. You might drive an electric car but you don't take your gas car and throw it away. You sell it and somebody else is driving that gas car. And we do know that uh, a lot of the manufacturers are saying 2025, 2030, 2035, they're going to be more electric cars, maybe all electric cars, but that's still 10, 15, 20 years away. And then all those gas cars are not magically going to go away. So don't think yeah. that energy is going to go away in a year or two. There's some good opportunities out there. And also too, we have talked about how the, uh, uh, not the R&D, but the production of it over the past year, the, the energy company saying, gosh, they're, they're way behind on that. Mm -hmm. and so uh, energy companies, there's some luck to them, but you're right. Be careful yep. of the volatility. So, all right. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Martin. Martin, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, Allegiant uh, it's, or Agilent. It's symbol is A. Okay. And do you hold that or are you looking to buy that? I hold that. Okay. And I was wondering, too, and I think it's Agilent, I think, is that the way they, you know, sometimes we call the companies, kind of ask them. And I, I think Agilent is the correct way to say it, but uh, we could be wrong. So when I call and say, no, that's not how you say it. But uh, <laughs> And you said you hold it or you're looking to buy it there, uh uh, I hold it. Okay. All right. Let's, let's take a look at Agilent Technologies Incorporated. Symbol is A as in Apple. 
We do see a P/E ratio of 52.4 versus 50.7 uh, for the industry. Uh, price of sales are expensive, 8.3 versus 3.2. No price to book value, tangible book value. That's the same as the industry. And price of cash flow, also expensive, 39.2 versus 25.8. So all the valuation ratios, I'm going to call them pretty expensive. Now, you get a dividend of 0.5%, and they use 17% of the earnings to pay that out. Sales are up nicely, 17.6. I say that because the industry is up 2.2. Earnings per share for Agilent climbed by 45%. Uh, industry up 41. The balance sheet looks pretty good here. you got a current ratio of 2.1 versus 1.7. Debt to equity, 57.8. That's very good because the industry is at 116. Return on equity is very good at 19.9 versus 13.8. Net profit margin for Agilent comes in at 16.1, well above the industry at 6.4. And receivable turnover is 5.9, I'm gonna call it actually six, versus 4.1. Inventory turnover, not looking very good. I'm not sure what they do, but it's only 3.6, about half the industry at 6.3. So I would like to see that better, but a lot of these numbers look pretty good. I'm going to have a feeling that's going to be overpriced, but you give me the numbers, Jace. Yeah, and I, I did pull up what the company does. They're in healthcare. They do diagnostics and research, and, and I'm not quite sure what this means exactly, but it says they provide application-focused solutions to life sciences, diagnostics, and applied chemical markets worldwide. Uh, looking at the current price here for Agilent Technologies, well, it's $168.13. 52-week high is $170.74. And that 52-week low, well, that's $94.76. If I go out to October 2022, unfortunately, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.76. If I use our 16.6 multiple for that, we'd get a target sale price of $79.02. So this mm. company is extremely, extremely pricey. Yeah, and I'm not sure why it'd be that overpriced. It's a healthcare company, but and and get this, I mean that that is a huge Ford PE multiple. If I look at October 2021, they're estimating four dollars and twenty eight cents. That's just an eleven percent earnings growth rate. I mean that's not twenty thirty percent. That's a very high multiple to be trading at to to not really have outsized growth. Yeah. Yeah, that, and I gotta say, Martin, that that, that sounds like a company that uh, it, you know. And again, this can go on for months, even in even maybe a couple of years. But sooner or later, you've got to produce the earnings and the growth. And you said the growth is even there at this company. So yeah, I mean, it trades at over thirty-five times future earnings, right? And to have eleven percent growth, and I don't know, maybe next year is supposed to be a slow year. But what's going to be their long-term run rate in terms of earnings growth? If it's sub ten. Right. I, I don't think you can justify a 35 Ford PE multiple. Yeah, that's that's more than double I, the average. Yeah. I sold a chunk of it last year, and uh, since then it's more than doubled. Yeah. And yeah we said earlier, you know, it's, yeah. it's always hard. Yeah, yeah. it is hard. And that can, that, that's hard, and you did the right thing. But the problem is that the stock just continues. I mean, and, and I forget who it was, and I was Warren Buffett, somebody. I mean, craziness in the market can go on for much longer then your money can last many times. And that's what you have to be careful of is that you did the right thing. Yeah, the stock went up. And the stock could even double from here. Things get very crazy. Um, but if you start trying to guess and start playing that game, keep in mind there's only one stock. Your whole portfolio is not going to do well because, you you know, you can't just keep yeah. guessing and gambling, you know. So it's, it's, that's hard. It's happened to us as well. I mean, we, we sell something. We look at it a year or two later like, yeah, yeah we would have made another 20, 30, maybe 40%. But we did the right things, and we stick to our discipline 
because we manage the money not just for a, a week, a day, or a year, but for a lifetime. And it's for many poor, many companies. And I, I do want to bring up, I, I'm, I think I can say this, and sure. I say that because the SEC, regulation, and so forth, but we talked about J-Bill earlier in the show. Yeah. We didn't sell it at 59 or wherever no. it's trading now. We sold it below that. But the other thing you have to look at too, Martin, I, I, you don't have to disclose it to us, but what did you do with the proceeds of that sale? Because a year ago, there was a lot of great value yeah. out there still. You could have bought something and perhaps that doubled as well. So That's what I did. Good. See, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I mean, did well. Good, good. Yeah. So that that's the other thing you got to look at. Ah, I sold it, but you know, what did you do with those <laughs> proceeds? Is And especially what's going to happen over the next five, ten years with the proceeds that you made off of, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the name again. It's Agilent uh, uh, is the way I'm going to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. Yeah. And that, that I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, Chase. And same thing for, for you, Martin, is that, again, yeah, you missed a run up there, but you took that money and you invested it somewhere else and probably something with stronger fundamentals than, than what you sold. So, yeah. Yes, it worked yeah. out well. Good. Well, Martin, thanks right. for calling. Have a good one. And yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Where's my present? Right, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling, Martin. Have a good one. All right. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Chase, we had like about three people that called in because they said, oh, there's no calls. They hung up. We had Tom and Escondido, Chuck and Escondido, uh, and then Jim and Alpine. Uh, they all hung up, but we still have Chris. Let's go to Chris and Santee. Yeah, I was gonna say we have one on Facebook as well. I, I can't see the screen today, so I'm kind of in the dark. Oh, I don't but... see that. Oh, I do uh, from Jeff there, right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, let's do Chris and Santee, then we'll do Jeff and uh, on Facebook. So that sounds great. Chris, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Happy birthday to you, Brent. Uh, I wanted to take a look at uh, AT&T. Okay. Do you hold that or look at buying it? Uh, I currently hold it. I'm an AT&T employee, and uh, Fidelity manages my 401, and I got an email from them uh, warning, hey, you're a little, you're a little top-heavy in your AT&T uh, stock. You, know, you own too much, and they're suggesting that I sell some of it, but I know you guys have been talking about it a little bit recently, and you, you uh, seem to like the company, so I'm a little hesitant to... to uh, get rid of it if it's going to perform well. So I was just curious what uh, what the numbers look like and what would you uh, guys suggest? Uh, what does Fidelity consider uh, top heavy in a percentage wise? Uh, well, i i haven't in, I haven't called back or you know looked into it. I've just I just got a like a, an email from them saying that you know uh, you're basically um, uh, there's a, like a cautionary email. Hey, you own too much of, of one particular stock. They're suggesting that I sell it and, and move to something else. And so I was just kind of like, well, you know, I'd hate to get rid of it if it's going to perform well here. Are they suggesting you go to Fidelity Mutual Fund? Is that what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> about, uh, about percentage wise though, Chris, how, do you know about how much it makes up of your portfolio? I believe it's a uh, 15%. Yes, and that's about when we start looking at it, saying, yeah, you know, 15%, you may want to pair it back a little bit. I mean, I, I think we've gone as high as maybe 18%, maybe even 20 depending on the company. So you, you are okay. in that range. We might want to look at it, uh, see what they say about it, and see what the recommendation is. Uh, and, again, we never make a decision to say, well, sell this to buy something else. We do base it on over-concentration of the portfolio and what the business is and 
we'll look at AT&T for you and kind of talk about it and what what we think about AT&T. So let's take a look at uh, for you and everybody else. AT&T, symbol is T as in Tom. Uh, we do see no P.E. ratio for AT&T versus 17.9 for this for the industry. Price of sales looks very good. 1.1 versus 1.9. No price of tangible book value for AT&T and the industry because both of them uh, do a lot of acquisitions, which really increases their goodwill substantially. Price of cash flow looks good, 7.9, just slightly above the industry at 6.3. What's attractive is the dividend 7.5%. We do know it's going to be cut when this whole uh, divestiture you know, happens uh, next year. Uh, we don't know exactly what it's going to be. We still think it's going to be somewhere between 4 to 5%, still attractive. But still, I think for the next two, three quarters, you expect, you know, get the 7.6% uh, dividend. Uh, we do see that sales are up 0.5% year over year, industry up 2.4. Earnings per share for AT&T did fall by 119%. Uh, the industry was up 41. Uh, and that was a lot of write-offs, I believe, on the DirecTV. I think it was who they own. Is that DirecTV? Yeah, DirecTV. DirecTV, yeah. yeah. So. And they've had other divestitures, of course, that yep. have hurt them. Yep, they're, they're, they're going through that right now. So that's why the negative earnings are the write-offs. We do see a current ratio 0.8 uh, versus 0.7 for the industry. Debt to equity 110 for AT&T. That's well below the industry at 300. Uh, return to equity a negative 1.3 versus a positive 23. Again, due to those write-offs. Net profit margin, same situation, a negative 0.3 versus a 10.4. And then we see receivable over a 9 versus 7.7. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? And I will say the nice thing about the write-offs is it's a non-cash expense many times. So again, just to make it simple, you bought DirecTV for $3 billion, and these aren't the exact numbers. You bought DirecTV for $3 billion, well, you sell it for a billion, you have a write-off of $2 billion. You didn't have to pay anybody $2 billion in this right. outflow for cash, but you do have to take a charge on the balance sheet, which does uh, reduce your earnings there, but it doesn't have an impact on your cash flow, which is the positive side. Negative side is it, it does negatively impact your balance sheet because now your equity is reduced. So got to kind of work through those numbers a little bit. It, it is concerning, but it's not detrimental is the way I would I would phrase the the issues of the write downs. Now, now talking about AT&T here in terms of its current price, it is $27.57, 52 week high, well that's $33.88 and 52 week low, well that's $26.35. Now I got to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.22. Give us a very nice target sell price here of $53.45. Now I think that is quite attractive, obviously. Now my personal opinion here on AT&T is I think it's going to be extremely range bound for the next year mm -hmm. until you get more clarity on this discovery merger for the you know, Time Warner type assets that they have, the HBO, the the Warner Bros, and, and that company kind of going with Discovery. And then also your, your more traditional business with the mobility and the, you know, broadband type services. So I think it is going to be very range bound over the next year. But I, I think long term, you still get access to those two companies once, once that split happens. I, I mean, you can then make great decisions at that point when you have all that information. So I, I, I like it. Again, 15%, uh, kind of teetering a little bit on the over-concentrated mm -hmm. side. You, I, I normally okay. like once it gets to 15, maybe you reduce it down to 12. That would be kind of my personal preference, but I, I definitely wouldn't sell it completely, that's right, for right, sure. Right. And, <laughs> okay. and, and the thing, too, that we look at also, too, is that when AT&T does this, you call it merger, divestor, whatever you want to call it, I mean, the, 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 the big change coming up, uh, AT&T is going to be able to focus exclusively on 
uh, the fiber and the uh, cell phone. And I, I love yeah. it. They they talk about just having four to five percent sustainable earnings growth. Yeah. Nothing too sexy. They could buy back some stock, maybe increase that there slightly. You get a nice dividend, I think, as I said, about 4 to 5%. You're not going to set the world on fire by any means, but it's a good, stable business that I think you can average 8 to 10% with. I think you can do very, very well. Not to mention, this company's PE multiple is so depressed, you should get some multiple expansion on that. And that's right. where I think the, the, the real good results could come from holding the stock. And it doesn't take much to get to that 10, maybe even 15%. I mean, the stock trades at 28 you get that, oh, I'm going to reduce it down to 5% dividend. The stock goes from 28 to 31. Wow, that's about a 15% return. I mean, your money will double about every four and a half years at that type of level. So um, it doesn't take much to do a lot. And again, they're not going to go from 28 to 54 next week. But it's a, I think it's a good long-term hold that you will do, again, you know, uh, a, a good return. I want to be careful about the returns I project on it. But yeah. it's just, uh, I, I think it's good. So the, the, for, for, for you... Uh, uh, Chris is going to come down to percentage-wise how much you own. Um, and, and again, if it's much above 15%, I'm going to say, yeah, you probably want to pull back a little bit. Just knock off a few percent of it just to be on the safe side. Already? Well, well, and then plus, you know, I'm, uh, I can pull back a little bit on it because I, I'm still contributing to my 401. And, of course, it's matched with AT&T stock. So even oh. if I was to pull yeah. that down a little bit, now I'm the longer I'm still working here, I'm adding – I'm adding to that portfolio. So I appreciate your time this morning, guys. All right, Chris. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate you calling in. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, just about uh, 10 minutes left on the show. I do want to bring up the fact about the workshop is going to come up uh, this Thursday, uh, August 26th. It's going to be the evening at 6 o'clock. It is free uh, at that workshop. It really is a great place to learn about the fundamentals of investing and the strategies we use to find good value investments. Uh, learn how to make that hard-earned money work for you. Again, you, you spend so much time working for your money, you got to spend some time on how to manage that money. That's what we're going to show you, what we do, how we manage money, and also how to build your wealth and get to retirement. All the important things about how to invest, we're going to show you that uh, to you on this Thursday, August 26th, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. What you need to do is call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546. 546-4306. Ask for Brianna. Talk to Brianna. Uh, also, too, if you want to go to the website, very easy to sign up there. Smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. All right. Let's go back to the phones. I see that Jim and Alpine call back, so let's go to Jim and Alpine. Oh, after Jim, we got to do the Facebook because we said we we're going to. Oh do shoot! Not gonna. Okay, we'll go to right. Jim and Alpine. All right, yeah, we'll do Jim and Alpine. Okay, don't let me forget that before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I do see Joe and Santa Barbara. I'm gonna go to him, but yeah, we got to do the Facebook one first. So, Jim, you there with us? Yeah, am I on finally? Yeah. Good. Yep, yep, you're on there. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, how can we help you this morning? Hey, uh, just a dovetail with Valero, you know, and all that stuff. You know, the oil is in Crocs. You know, so yeah, <laughs> the rubber. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's why they're slippery shoes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, I, um, with all the with all the crud going on with closing the Keystone pipeline and canceling oil leases and everything, I've got these a uh, couple of pipeline companies. MMP is one of them. Magellan Midstream Partners is one of them. I'd appreciate a objective readout on it, but honestly, more of a subjective look of what you think uh, the future is for you know, just pipeline partnerships. Okay. And is this in a retirement account or is it held outside a retirement account? No, no, it's not in a retirement account. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is one thing on these LPs you want to, does your accountant know that you have these? 
Yeah. Yeah, because these are, are taxed very strangely. So so you want to be careful of that. You want to understand the tax situation on these. Talk to your accountant about them because, again, it can be a big tax surprise uh, down the road. So uh, let's look at a Magellan Mainstream Partners LP, symbol is MMP. Look at the fundamentals on it here. We do have a good start. P.E. ratio 12.1 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales high, 4.2 versus 1.2. Price to book value, 4.7. The industry is at 0.7. And price of cash flow, 9.4 versus 10.1. Now, what's great here is the dividend. It's an 8.7% dividend. They use 106% of their earnings to pay that out. And this is where the tax situation can really change for you and come back and bite in the butt uh, down the road. So talk to, again, your accountant on that. We do see that the sales were down 5.7%, but better than the industry decline of 36%. We do see earnings per share a negative 8.9 versus a positive 31 for the industry. On the balance sheet, got a current ratio 1.6 versus 2.4. Debt to equity 218. That's very high. The industry is only at 44. Return to equity is 36.8 versus 36.7 negative for the industry. Net profit margin, 35.4 versus 71 negative. And we do see receivable turnover is 21.8 versus 4.4. And inventory turnover, 6.8. Not as good as the industry at 10.2. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here again for the uh, Magellan Midstream Partners uh, LP, Master Limited Partnership there, uh, $47.29. 52-week high, $53.85. And the low, well, that's $32.61. Now I go out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share four dollars and twenty one cents. Would give us a target sell price of sixty nine dollars and eighty nine cents. So I, I mean a, a pretty good estimated growth there. I mean with the current price again at forty seven twenty nine. Yeah. And and the nice thing about these transportation companies is they don't really look as much at the price of gasoline right because they're getting paid to transport that right so i mean it has an impact on demand and volumes and so forth but you know it's not going to be as volatile in terms of their earnings as a uh, oil exploration company as a refiner so i think that's interesting i i do always kind of again caution the tax side and the debt to equity does appear a little bit high mm -hmm. but I mean, there's definitely some positives to it, but just some things to be uh, a little bit cognizant of. Yeah, and Jim, I forget exactly what the tax situation was. I, I believe that part of the dividend or the dividend goes to reduce the cost basis. Mm -hmm. uh, so you might have paid, I'll, I'll say, $20 a share for it. Um, you sell it at 30 thinking you only have a $10 gain. Well, your cost base got reduced down to 10 so you have to pay in a $20 gain. So that's why I want to talk to your accountant, just so you understand where you stand on the and tax side. you get K-1s for it instead of just yeah. 1099 So just a little bit more complexity when you file your taxes. Yeah. I mean, based on the fundamentals, it looks good. You got a great dividend, but understand the tax situation. All right, Jim? Yeah. In that regard, if I could, uh, if you have time... On ETFs and stuff, do you comment on where to find out how much of the dividend is return on capital versus how much of the dividend is return of capital? We, we, to do that? Yeah, we don't deal much with ETFs, and, and I, I know we want to get to that last caller from the Facebook there. we got, we got to do that. Uh, but I, I don't know off the top of my head where to, where to get that because we don't really deal with the ETFs that much. Do you have any ideas, Chase? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, we're kind of, we're, you kind of stumped us there, Jim. Don't do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to. We'll try to maybe do some research for you for next week, or uh, see what we can come up with for you. Already. All right. Well, cool. Thanks. Uh, have a great, great week. Uh, see you. Bye. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, yeah. Let, let's talk about. Uh, so uh, Jeff on Facebook. What was his uh, comment? Just a company or, or what? 
Yeah, so so Jeff wanted to look here at uh, A-R-E-S, and it looks like a management company here. Mm-hmm. He also wishes you a happy birthday and says congratulations oh. on our financial advisor uh, award that we discussed earlier in the show that we are number 487 in the country in terms of asset size. So I uh, appreciate that, Jeff. Let's take a look here at, I'm going to say, ours Management Corp. I was going to say Ares. 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 That works for Ares. me. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, let's just say AMC. Uh, <laughs> be. Uh, that symbol is R-E-S. <clears throat> we do see a P ratio kind of high here, 46 versus 12.8. So it is high, not kind of high. Price of sale, 6.5 versus 2.6. That's expensive. No price of book value versus 2.4 for the industry. And then price of cash flow, 24 versus 6.1. So other valuation ratios are rather high here. We do see a 2.6% dividend. They use 100% of their earnings to pay it out. That is not good. However, sales were up 103% year over year. Industry only up 9.8. Don't know how they did such great sales on that. And earnings did even better, up 240 versus 83. So you want to understand how they did these great sales and great earnings growth before you invest in the company. We do see a no current ratio versus 1.1. We do believe it's some type of management. Maybe it's a read or something here. Something strange. Debt to equity, 647 versus 170. Return to equity, 24.6. That's above the industry at 16.4. Net profit margin, very good, 26 versus 20. And receivable turnover, 11.7 versus 0.7. What do you got for the earnings, Chase? And it is a management company that, that you know, has various different products and, uh, you know, kind of, it looks like mutual funds, investment, alternative investment products. Normally, I, I'm not a huge advocate of those. Alternative investments always scare me, but I uh, want to look at the numbers here to see what that looks like for ours management corp. Uh, current price, $71.01, 52-week high, $74.77, and the 52-week low, well, that's $38.25. Now, unfortunately, I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.12, it gives a target sell price of just $51.79, so below the current level, $71.01. Very, very kind of intrigued by that because I, I feel like a lot of times these management companies look very attractive in terms right. of the valuations. This one's quite expensive. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and again, maybe some more research. The, the sales growth was kind of like too good, earnings growth too good. So, yeah, I have to understand more about this company. But, again, it's is it worth it because of the fact that even now with all that growth, they're still under the target sell price. Yeah. Yeah, so – or over the target sell price. They're over the target, over target sell, sell price. price. Yes. Yeah, so you, you don't want to pay more for a company than it's worth a sell. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, gosh, I I would have loved to go up to Santa Barbara, talk to Joe. Uh, actually, I'm trying to go up to Santa Barbara. I think in the next few weeks, but uh, Joe, call back next week. Uh, we'd love to, to help you out there. Uh, thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. Gosh, what a great show today. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was phenomenal. Good yeah. good birthday show for you. Yep, and thanks for all the uh, birthday wishes and so forth. And my phone again has been blown up all morning for that. There's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational person only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss some more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546. 546-4306 and visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com a lot of great information there and for more daily educational information on investment tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent Chase we'll see today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv closing song Frank Sinatra's My Way is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios have a great day thanks for listening we'll be back next week right here on the Smart Investing Show with Brent and Chase Wilsey.
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.